2: a few bucks.
3: Okay, his name is Matt Foley. Now, he's been down in the basement drinking coffee for about the last four hours, and he should be all ready to go. I'll I'll call him up.
4: And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's a 4th of December year of our Lord 2020, and just like Matt Foley, I've been upstairs drinking coffee. For about four hours, and uh, yeah, a little fired up. So we're going to go today instead of Sunday. I really didn't have a choice because the wife told me, we're doing shit. That was one. And number two, just like the old Devo song, and yeah, I'm aging myself, gut feeling. My God in freaking heaven. There's a lot of stupid right now. There's a lot of stupid And it starts with this soundbite, all right, that literally the legacy media, mainstream media, or biased media didn't even touch of a USPS whistleblower saying basically, yeah, I drove fucking ballots across state lines.
5: So, um, in total, I saw 24 gaylords, or large cardboard containers, of ballots loaded into my trailer. These gaylords contained plastic trays, I call them totes, but trays will work, of ballots stacked on top of each other. All the envelopes were the same size. I could see the envelopes had handwritten address, return addresses. And I could even tell that one of, that one was marked registered male. That one was off to the side, alright? <clears throat> they were complete ballots. I didn't, I didn't think much of it at the time. At Bethpage, I was first loaded with two tall lords. So picture that thing there or, or this little representation here. This tall, alright? So, I was loaded with two tall gay lords, okay? And uh, that were, I don't know, where was I at? They had uh, mixed mill pieces bound for Lancaster. These gay lords were loaded first because they would be the last off my trailer. The remainder of the truck. Was loaded with complete ballots bounded for Harrisburg. I then drove to Harrisburg with the ballots. Usually I offload in one of the seven docks every day, but not on October 21st. I wasn't allowed to offload. That's different. Whenever I pull in the Harrisburg, I go around and I get my dock and I get unloaded, and then I roll out. Not that day, all right? Not that day. Instead, I was made to wait for roughly six hours in the yard, from 9.15 a.m. to 3 p.m. This really ticked me off, all right? Because my brother was in town. He just moved back up, and I wanted to spend some time with him. I try to get the attention of postal workers, but no one would tell me what's going on. All of this was weird. I arrived at the at uh, I arrived at about the same time every day. The expediter scans all my seals and barcodes, and they they unload me. But for the first time, or but. But from the time I first arrived in Harrisburg from Bethpage, everything got weird. None of that happened. After waiting six hours, I went inside to figure out what's going on. I was told to wait for the transportation supervisor. This was also weird. Sixteen months I've been doing this, I haven't ever talked to the transportation supervisor for the United States Postal Service. I talk to an expediter. I come in, I see an expediter. That's who I deal with. If I have an issue, it's the expediter. I don't deal with anyone else but the expediter. I never, never talk to the United States Postal Service's transportation supervisor. Let's make that clear. I have my own transportation supervisor for the company that I work for. He's the one that gives me the details. He's the one that I listen to. I don't listen to this guy. He's the guy that would contact my boss if he needed something ran different. I've never spoken with this transportation supervisor from the United States Postal Service. They don't speak to people like me. He's a top guy. He's the kind of guy that would speak to my boss, not a trucker like me. The supervisor told me to drive. To, uh, told me to drive to Lancaster without being unloaded in Harrisburg. This made no sense to me. I knew the ballots were loaded for Harrisburg and that if I was to go to Lancaster they would have to off unload my ball or those pallets in Lancaster to take off Lancaster stuff to put the ballots back on the trailer to send them back to Harrisburg. Doesn't make no sense. This was a real screw up in my my thinking. I wanted I wanted my ticket. So whenever I go to a place, I and I when I go there and whenever I'll leave, I'll get a ticket. I'll get a ticket, a slip, whatever you want to call it. It's the date, time that I'm supposed to be there. It'll have my trailer number on it. It'll have. Um, how much I'm loaded? It'll have the seal number. It has my name. It'll have who who was the expediter. So I wanted my 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 ticket, my slip. I call them tickets. Some people call them slips. Okay. Um, and then because I was there for six hours, I wanted my late slip too because I wanted to be paid for sitting in that yard for six hours. So. Um, <clears throat> I wanted the ticket and the late slip for stopping at Harrisburg. Also, I wanted it because if they told me to take this load to Lancaster, I don't want to pull up the Lancaster of Harrisburg crap and be like, yeah, they just told me to be, or come here and not have no, no ticket because they don't look like I just came straight here, you know. <clears throat> just to prove that I was there. And so others would know I wasn't the person that screwed this up. A ticket is always provided to a driver when they arrive at a United States Postal Service facility. It proves you were there. The transportation supervisor refused to give me a ticket and told me to leave. I then demanded he give me a late slip since I wanted to get paid for the time I was sitting there and waiting and waiting for them to offload me. He refused to give me that too. He was kind of rude and wouldn't explain anything to me. He just told me to go to Lancaster. I then drove to Lancaster, unhooked my trailer in its normal place, and then drove my truck to where I always park it, in a nearby lot, and then I went home. The next day, it just got weirder. As I arrived at Lancaster, at Lancaster's United States Postal Service facility with my tractor, I went to hook up to my trailer. And my trailer was gone. Not there no more. Ten R fourteen forty. Since I started driving that Bethpage route, I've always had trailer ten R fourteen forty. I like that trailer. It was a nice trailer. I know you guys probably don't really know nothing about truck driving or trailers or anything, but the rear tandems had a, with your driving light, the rear tandems will actually, the front axle will actually go up. Um, nice air ride. The garage, the doors on it, were, it worked great. Some of the trailers that place has, you could honestly put it on the back of a carrier and drop it off in the middle of the ocean and no one would worry about it. So that trailer I really liked, okay? Um, What happened on October 21st was a series of unusual events that cannot be a coincidence. I know I saw ballots with return addresses filled out, thousands of them, thousands, loaded onto my trailer in New York and headed for Pennsylvania. At first, I didn't think it was a big deal. In fact, I thought it was really awesome. I was, I really did. I was like, sweet, I'm doing something for the presidential race. You know, this is cool.
1: <clears throat>
5: but as things became weirder, I got to thinking and wondered why I was driving complete ballots from New York to Pennsylvania. I didn't know. I didn't know why. So I decided to speak up. And that's what I'm doing today. Thank you. Nothing. Nada. There's articles everywhere. But
4: they didn't cover any of it. Nor any of the trials. That happened. Because you know. Why, why would we? I mean. I, I once again profess. I didn't really buy the they cheated. I'm a vet. I gotta think nobody's gonna be that fucking crooked to steal an election. There's no way. You know it's sour grapes. But then when you get done and you go through all the things we've covered, from 80 million votes for Grandpa in a basement, which just doesn't just doesn't pass the smell test to the norms, to the last podcast. I mean, think about the last podcast. Even if you're a liberal, like I'm assuming some of you are out there in uh, California that listen to the show, you know, there's no freaking way all this can add up. You know it can't add up. It just makes no damn sense. But the way the media ignores it, the way Democrats attack it, the way it keeps just piling up and every court with appointed judges from Obama won't even listen to it? Yeah, they stole it. They stole an election. And it's it's an incredible thing to say out loud. But nobody cares. They just don't give a fuck. So more on that later. I want to up front give a shout out To a lady that brought me to the second reason why we started the podcast early today. Sandy, at right glock mom. Somebody I follow on Twitter now. Highlighted, Elena Parent. At E-L-E-N-A-P-A-R-E-N-T. If I was a liberal at this point in time, I would say, yeah, let's make her welcome. Because that lady, in the words of my wife, is a friggin' bitch. In the words of this ex-infantry grunt, I can't say it on the podcast because it would be inappropriate. That lady was attacking the shit out of everybody at the hearing in Georgia. And the hearing in Georgia shows you some of the most disgusting fucking shit ever that was allowed to happen, is total fraud. Fraud. And not one media outlet covered it. Twitter instantly said, this is disputed because Alina Parent said, well, that movie's that video has already been debunked. And somebody else in the room goes, that video just came out. How could it be debunked? But that's how they've been able to do it. Twitter, Facebook, we just say it's disputed and it gives away. It's like a magic word, disputed. Well, the fact of the fact is, 48% of Americans believe this election was bullshit, so does that dispute it make it go away? Because that was the majority in the Rasmussen, by the way. The majority. So, right, Glock Mom, thank you very much. Good tweets, going to follow you, and I am going to keep up on this Alina Parent lady, because that lady is the reason why I'm standing down here. Here's a tweet in our A block before we actually get into it. We're going to, you know, the usual podcast. Going to hit a lot of media today. Some elections, some violence, um, and a great Project Veritas on CNN. It just validates everything we've been saying on this show for five fucking years. CNN's garbage. Charlie Cook. uh, He's had like two that I've used in this show today. The first one, why is the left okay with China virus vaccine cards? but not voter ID. I want us all to think about that because that's what the, that's what they're saying right now. You and I will have to run around with an ID card that says that we have a vaccine and they're already starting that the vaccine, as we saw in the last podcast, the narrative is, well, it just still doesn't mean you can't wear a mask because as we'll see in about two seconds, Grandpa's going to tell you all what to do now. Grandpa, who got a thousand people to watch his Thanksgiving feed, is telling us all where the bear shits in the woods. I mean, once again, I know he's going to be POTUS. There's nothing we can do about it. But we just spent five or four years saying fascist Trump's a fascist he's destroying norms and the first thing out of the mouth of grandpa Biden is I'm gonna lock your fucking ass down and make you wear a mask forever I don't know that's pretty fascist I don't know could be me this one also hits our a block you miserable pieces of shit the Daily Beast gets called out for misleading tweet on the death of of Governor Kristi Nome's grandmother. The Daily Beast. And yet Christy Nome continued to downplay the virus. Refused a mask mandate. And ignored a terrible price her state is paying. Says Michael Dale. New York City. The entire world. Amber Athey, Will be the one I read. Her grandmother didn't die of COVID. You miserable pieces of shit. That is what is still happening. As I walk down in the basement today. The wife goes... Why the fuck are they on TV saying we don't have a mask mandate? We do have a mask mandate. The reason why they say that is because it's not a state mask mandate down here in where I live in the bunker in Tennessee. It's up to local municipalities. When we opened up, Knoxville didn't open up. Nashville didn't open up. Memphis didn't open up. Chattanooga didn't open up. But up here in Clarksville we opened up. I don't live in Clarksville, but that's the closest big city. And we let people make their own decisions. But they're mass mandates. You can't you can't go into a Popeye's chicken or a Wendy's. They have chosen to close and have drive through only. They let people make their own decisions. But it's all fear mongering. They're gonna say the red states are horrible, even though as we speak, the New York still has the most deaths and will have the most deaths. They fearmonger everything even though we had 61 million cases of h1n1 and we stopped counting at 40,000 50,000 deaths but the dear one oh Barack Hussein Obama oh holiest of holy we weren't gonna say he was a douche nozzle of fucking kill in the country they are still playing it here is grandpa saying if he doesn't take it if he doesn't take charge now another. 250,000 people are going to die before inauguration.
6: And I hope you all are listening as with all the trouble you're going through, you cannot be traveling during these holidays. As much as you want, I I have a large family. We, uh, you probably, I used to, Barack used to kid me about it. I mean, everything for me is family, beginning, middle, and end. When one comes, everybody comes. Do you think I'm joking? I'm not. You know, we would have 16 people go away every Thanksgiving. My deceased son, before he passed away, uh, we'd all go away, and we'd go away on Thanksgiving to be just a a nuclear family. Mom, dad, sons, daughters, husbands, wives, grandchildren. And uh, we, the first time, we we had a Thanksgiving with my wife and myself, my daughter in the region, and her husband, who's a doctor in the region. That's it. All my other kids, everybody else in the family, was on Zoom on Thanksgiving, which doesn't... Well, Christmas is going to be a lot harder. And, you know, I, want, I don't want to scare anybody here, but understand the facts. We're likely to lose another 250,000 people dead between now and January. You hear me? Because people aren't paying attention. People aren't paying attention. You are, Dan. You're not letting people congregate inside your restaurant. You know what that would mean. But so there but there's ways we, we have to bring down the virus. We have to bring down the 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 replication rate of it how I, you know anyway, and we have to significantly increase testing.
7: Speaking of Fauci, uh, have you spoken with him yet? If so, have you asked him to stay on? Yes uh, and is, yes. Yes and yes. When, when, tell me about the conversation that well, he said What more needs to be done from his point of view?
6: Well, look, uh, uh, my chief of staff has worked with him in the last uh, crisis. He's been talking to him all the time, Ron Klain. I talked to him today. We spoke today at 3 o'clock. My COVID team met with him. I asked him to stay on in the exact same role he's had for the past several presidents. And I asked him to be a chief medical advisor for me as well and be part of the COVID team. And so what has to be done is we have to make it clear to the American people that the vaccine is safe when it occurred, when that is determined. And number two, you have to make sure, as he points out, you don't have to close down the economy like a lot of folks are talking about now. If, in fact, you have clear guidance and you're able to say the business is okay. For example, bars and restaurants are going to close. We're going to provide you the wherewithal to not lose your business like like the the House had passed. And we're going to be able to reopen. We're going to be able to reopen in time. And not to close down for long periods of time. We talked about masking. Uh, it is important that we, in fact, uh, the president and the vice president, we set the, the you know the, the the pattern by wearing masks. Yeah. But beyond that, where the federal government has authority, I'm going to issue a standing order that in federal buildings you have to be masked, and in transportation, interstate transportation, you must be masked in airplanes and buses, et cetera. And so, uh, it's a, it's a matter of and I think my inclination, uh, Jake, is on the first day I'm inaugurated to say I'm going to ask the public for 100 days to mask. Just 100 days to mask. Not forever. 100 days. And I think we'll see a significant reduction if we occur that, that that occurs with vaccinations and masking to drive down the numbers considerably. That man
4: couldn't form a conversation with two hands, of thesaurus and Siri. Because he doesn't know what's serious. And then you got Garcerity. You know what?
8: Cancel everything. Good evening, Los Angeles. And thank you. Today, Dr. Robert Redfield, the director of the CDC, said the next three months are going to be the most difficult in the public health history of this nation, largely because of the stress that's going to be put on our health care system. We're beginning to feel that stress here in Los Angeles and the latest data is nothing short of alarming. In the last month alone, since early November, our daily infections have tripled. Our hospitalizations have more than tripled and are at a new peak and our deaths have nearly doubled and they continue to rise. These numbers don't reflect last week's record-breaking numbers. They don't reflect yet the Thanksgiving effect of time spent together with families when many people were gathering and traveling in defiance of public health warnings. And here in our golden state, unfortunately, California has one of the fewest numbers of hospital beds per capita compared to other states. So if cases continue on this pathway, if they continue to increase at the pace that we've seen, the county expects that we will run out of hospital beds here in Los Angeles by Christmas time. The public health of our city, the public health condition of our city, excuse me, is as dire as it was in March, in the earliest days of this pandemic. So tonight I want to speak as always to you candidly, with the truth and the statistics that I get as soon as I get them, to share them with you. And to know what we can do in the coming days, it's as much what you choose not to do as what you do do that will determine what happens here in our beloved hometown. The choices between us are stark, between health and sickness, between care and apathy, and yes, between life and death for too many of the people that we love. My message couldn't be simpler. It's time to hunker down. It's time to cancel everything. And if it isn't essential, don't do it. Don't meet up with others outside your household. Don't host a gathering. Don't attend a gathering. And following our targeted safer at home order, if you're able to stay home, stay home. See, before
4: Trump, I wouldn't question everything coming out of Washington. But since Trump, and not because of Trump, once again, a person I didn't support, I'm not a mega, I don't think he was fucking that presidential, but I voted for him because Hillary was the devil, and I voted against Biden because of all the baggage that comes with Biden, because you're not voting for Biden, you're voting for Ilian Omar and Talib and Democrat rule forever and no guns and you're a fucking racist piece of shit. Which, by the way, before I move on, let me get this off my chest, too. It's another reason why I came down here. If you haven't watched The Unicorn, it's on CBS. It's got the guy from uh, Justified, one of my favorite shows. In fact, we're watching it on DVD for like the 90th time. Um, Walt Coggins, I think that's his name. Big teeth and a forehead. Like that forehead because I got a receding hairline. So I I dig his forehead because I have the similar forehead. some of you will see when we go YouTubing. It's a comedy. But, you know, just like last podcast, we had to talk about fucking CBS's SWAT with the goddamn dude running around with a 203 and white phosphorus grenades and just fear-monging on guns and simultaneously doing a show that all cops are bad when you're a cop show. And I lost my shit on that. And, oh, by the way... The Goldbergs doing Do the Right Thing instead of a Thanksgiving episode. They decided to do the conversation that black parents have to have with their kids. And how hard it is to be black in America. And try to mix that into a comedy. And as I was sending a joke in the beginning that was really a funny throwaway joke they did about... It's so intimate on President's Day, so that's a hard new relationship holiday because of the intimacy of buying a mattress, which I thought was really funny. Then comes the PC shit, and then they said it, as I was saying in, in a tweet, that we don't need white fragility in your show. They talked about white fragility. Why must every show be about George Floyd? Do they think they have to? Yes, they do. Is it because people want to see that? No, they don't. You go to their Twitter feeds and normal people, not just white supremacist proud boys that are freaking everywhere taking over the country, so say a CNN and WAP and all them. No. It's normal, people going, enough, I got it. We're garbage people. The flag's garbage, America's garbage. You guys think we're garbage, got it. But we don't need to have it every fucking show. This is a show about a guy who is a freaking widower I think is the way to say it and he becomes a unicorn supposedly and he's a prize catch for another woman and he's going through the ebbs and flows of relationship it's really cute he's raising two kids it's funny as shit we love the show but we don't turn to Walt Coggins and the cast of Unicorn for advice that I need to have a talk with my black friends For the record, if I had a talk with my black friends, they would tell me to go fuck myself because they're vets and they didn't live their life being a victim. Maybe some of them thought every white person on the planet was garbage. I don't know. But they were in the service, so they couldn't really talk about that shit. And they were getting promoted a pretty good clip because the army uses quotas. So they didn't have a problem with anything. But that's that's how I started my day. Right there. Boom. Unicorn comedy. Trying to get away from it. What do you get? You get more shit than America's garbage. And it's so hard to be a black person. It's just so hard. Don't look at Jay-Z. Don't look at all the NBA people. Don't look at all the music people. Don't look at all the sports people. Everybody in the NFL is black. Don't watch TV shows that are all black. Don't watch commercials that are all black. Because they're doing that now. I expected, like, episodes about COVID. I mean, the only show to date that hasn't gone we need to tell you you're a racist garbage person is Seal Team, which was emotional. Gotta admit, I got a little teary-eyed on that one. That really hit home because that was me at the end of my career where all of a sudden you realize you're not the alpha, and I don't want to spoiler alert for anyone who watches it, but Jason Bravo 1 is starting to go through that it's time- to leave and the army made that choice for me by sending me to the national training center where i was no longer kicking doors and it was really hard and it was just so tough to do not being a badass (laughs) no i'm not really crying that was a joke but that show's actually hitting home because it is hard at the end you go from a guy who leads a fucking elite force to being a nobody And as I drove away from the National Training Center dragging a trailer I had lived in dry camping for two years. Yeah, I said dry camping. I had to dump my poop once a week. Not a good thing. Makes you think about what you're eating when you have to look at your poop every week. I felt pretty low because I didn't know who I was. The army was who I was. I wore that uniform, it gave me an identity, it made me feel good. And then all of a sudden, Superman capes off and he's just a frickin' dude with no job driving 2,000 miles back to Tennessee with a trailer going, what the fuck now? So that's a good show. Anyway, I'm segwaying. <clears throat> but that's that's another reason why we start early. Here's the uh, Washington Post. Uh, another thing in the A block. And then we're going to get on to our media because you can't not. You can't frickin' throw a rock without hitting bias and hypocrisy today. Washington Post, they deleted this by the way, is asking every Republican member of Congress the same three questions today. We will report back their answers. The questions are, one, who won the 2020 presidential election? Two, do you support or oppose Donald Trump's continuing efforts to claim victory? And three, if Joe Biden wins a majority in the Electoral College, will you accept him as the legitimate elected president of the United States? Zero self awareness. To this day, the Washington Post runs op eds about Russia. The media, the Democrats never accepted the last election, but today, the same fucking day that people were seen on video pulling friggin' suitcases out from under tables, it was like a magic trick. Oh, look at that. He just pulled out. 6,000 ballots. Woohoo! Yeah. They put that up there. That's why they deleted it. But it's a wave. We're back to fact-checking that aren't based on facts. Stephen Miller. This isn't a fact-check. USA Today Politics. Fact-check. The claim of photos shows Jen Psaki, Joe Biden's pick for press secretary, wearing a hammer and sickle hat while posing with officials from Russia, are ruling missing context. Every time Democrats fuck up, it's missing context or out of context or uh, partially true. Kinda true. They could literally go out and fuck a panda in a Walmart parking lot, have it sent all over Twitter in the world, and you know what they'd say? Eh was it really a panda? Or was it a stuffed animal? Ooh, missing context. His reply, this is zero true context needed it's not a claim it's not an open claim there's a photograph it's actually true and there's a picture everybody asked well they didn't ask for any context for the poor bastards at washington dc kids in the mega hat we did not have a problem with that shit covington catholic fucking kill them that's a punchable face is what the media said now it's we need context and by the way, it is Sergey Lavrov, foreign minister equivalent to U.S. Secretary of State, that Red Star should be a taboo as a swastika. Thank you very much. These are the same people. She is one of the people who has spent the last four years saying, Russia, Russia, Russia. And she was with the Russian. How? How the fucking fuck can that fly? I I really don't even understand this shit anymore. There's so many times that I just pause and go, do you not think we watch shit? And how about COVID? Let's talk about COVID. Stephen L. Miller, Democrat Mayor of Austin, Democrat Mayor of Chicago, Democrat Mayor of Denver, Democrat Mayor of San Jose, Democrat Mayor of Philadelphia, Democrat Governor of California, Mayor of San Francisco. These are people not adhering to COVID rules. So yeah, enjoy your Christmas. All while network mass media wants to tell you the Governor of North Dakota and Florida are the problem. It's breathtaking projection. Because right off the bat, USA Today does the same thing and my computer froze. I got so ginned up I forgot to open up the pages. the claim several Democratic politicians earned social distancing issues stay-at-home advisories but hosts are attending gathering. their fact check some truth to claim of politicians. there are no politics in this virus. That's that's what the, the page says. And they actually have the audacity to say, on both sides. Both sides. Both sides. No. There is no both sides. I mean, here's just a short list. L.A. mayor stay-at-home order has many exemptions, such as podcasters and homeless people. San Francisco Dem Mayor says more severe COVID-19 restrictions are on the way after being caught. I mean, she's got a cool name, London Breed, but yeah, no. Guess where this Dem Mayor was while reminding city residents to stay home? And you know about it. Austin Mayor. He was on his private plane on the beach. Out my ties. Today, Governor John Bill Edwards confirmed the authenticity of a photo taken of him socializing maskless, maskless and in close contact with others at a Baton Rouge country club. Yeah, LA County Supervisor busted dining outdoors just after voting to ban outdoor dining because it's dangerous. In Texas, here's Dana Loesch. The Texas judge, Judge Clay, who demanded that Greg Abbott fine people for not wearing masks and send a and d to salon owner Shelley Luther to shut her down, was himself caught, breaking the restrictions he pushed to everyone else. Here in my county, Judge, Judge Whitley, demands power to fine residents who don't wear masks. The Tarrant County judge had five families over for Thanksgiving. And let's not leave out William County, Williamson County Judge Bill Gravel, plans to plead guilty to violating his own pandemic stay-at-home order in the spring by attending a family birthday. But what are they worrying about? Cuomo, health officials, don't share information about immigrants because we want them to get the goddamn vaccine before you Americans. We really, really want that fucking illegal vote that we're going to make legal. We need that vote because we're not going to be able to cheat this good again. I mean, the funniest thing about all this is I always thought that video was edited. But, you know, I couldn't find anybody who would disprove the Biden, uh, we built the biggest fraud ever. And then they did it. I mean, it all goes back to that. Because this whole COVID thing is about that. It was COVID. It is just like 2012. Dems go too far. They always go too far because they know their message is hot garbage. So they go too far to ensure they they don't lose. I mean, they just go fucking bonkers with the amount of stupid so that they can win. I mean, Obama, with his crazy-ass IRS shit, that's a good case. Hillary, well, if we talk about Russia, then they won't talk about my email. Sounds good. Fucks the whole country up forever, but yeah, okay. I mean, the media has lied so much about COVID. We are getting all sorts of information now. We played one last time. Here's another one. You're not gonna find this on ABC, CNN, but you know, the CDC, as I said on the show, just me, a normal person, a nobody, that I think I had COVID in December because I wanted to die and so did my wife. And now we find out it was here in December.
9: So it brought us to a point that they're saying that they were shutting us down again, that they weren't allowing inside dining. And I was put against the wall. It's either I took a stance and end up opening my, continue to keep my establishment open, hoping that people end up coming to spend money so I can pay bills and end up providing for my family. I'm so behind on bills that I I really felt
10: I had no other choice. He spoke out in public and then the police came and arrested him. In just a minute, we'll take you live to the scene. That moment is unfolding. And we'll speak to the restaurant owner about what happened and what he plans to do next. But first all, good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson's. Right, there's a lot going on in the news today. A lot of it about voter fraud in the last election. And we're going to bring you the very latest on that in just a moment. But first, a larger deceit, a more profound one. News about a global fraud that began long before Election Day here and has since ruined millions of lives, killed hundreds of thousands. And by the way, without question, deeply affected the outcome of our presidential election here in the United States, the coronavirus pandemic. And it's not what we thought it was. We've been lied to. The latest evidence comes from samples collected during Red Cross blood drives last year and now analyzed by the Centers for Disease Control. In a study published on Monday, researchers tested 39 blood samples from the states of California, Washington, and Oregon. That blood was collected between December 13th and December 16th, 2019. At the time, no one in the United States had heard of COVID-19. The Chinese government didn't even acknowledge its existence until December 31st. And yet every one of those samples just tested has come back positive for the coronavirus antibodies. All of them. Keep in mind that antibodies don't develop for at least a week after exposure to the virus. That means the Wuhan coronavirus was being transmitted throughout the American population far earlier, possibly months earlier, than we were told. What does that mean exactly? And how did it happen? We don't know yet how it happened, but we know for certain that it did. The CDC has found dozens more positive samples from blood tests taken at the beginning at the end of December. And they found them in many other parts of the country, across the country. Michigan. Iowa, Massachusetts, analysis of tests in other countries has shown even earlier spread of the virus. Scientists now know the virus, the coronavirus, spread to Italy as early as last September and to South America two months later in November. So clearly, what we have been told for almost a year about the origins of the coronavirus is not true. Why are we just learning this now, a month after a presidential election? We've had reliable antibody tests since the summer. So no one thought to test Red Cross blood samples until now? Why weren't elected officials demanding a coherent account of where this virus, this virus that has changed American history forever, where this virus came from, how it got to the United States, and how it spread through our population? Why don't we know that yet? Because nobody seemed to care. Our elected officials were too busy enjoying their newfound power. They were shutting down small businesses, arresting people for kayaking without masks. Back in January, 11 months ago, the Department of Homeland Security warned that American airports could be ground zero for a new pandemic. But Congress yawned. They were occupied that day. On January 24th, a day when these blood samples now prove the virus had already spread across the continent, the Trump administration held a classified briefing on the coronavirus for the entire U.S. Senate but only 14 senators showed up for it. Why was that? Well, that briefing was held on the very same day as the deadline for senators to submit their questions for impeachment. So the people in charge of protecting the country were not worried about coronavirus. Instead, they were standing in front of their mirrors rehearsing their star turns, the moment when they could finally confront Alan Dershowitz about the dreaded Zelensky phone call. Now they're claiming the pandemic caught them completely by surprise. How do they get away with that? They get away with it because our public health establishment gives them cover and has all year. Two days before that classified Senate briefing that only 14 senators showed up for, Dr. Tony Fauci went on television to reassure Americans they could relax. Calm down, America. You can trust the Chinese government. If the Chinese are telling us that this virus jumped from a pangolin in a wet market and no one even knew it existed until New Year's Eve and we're doing our very best to contain it, then that's what happened. China
11: uh, has been known to fiddle with their stats before. Do you trust what they are telling us about this illness? From what I can see right now, they really are being much, much more transparent than what happened with SARS, where they really kept back information for a while. It was embarrassing to them. They're really transparent now. They put the sequence of the virus up on the public database right away. So in that respect, they've been transparent.
10: They're really transparent now, said Dr. Anthony Fauci. Now, in a well-functioning country, a line like that would make certain that you never work in public policy again. Transparent? Transparently dishonest. We know that for certain. Chinese officials are now claiming the virus came to their country from somewhere else. It arrived in frozen food, possibly as a bioweapon staged by the U.S. military. They're not saying that in secret. They're saying it on social media. But so far, Twitter hasn't bothered to fact-check that claim. Like Tony Fauci, Silicon Valley trusts China. Trust China far more than they trust you. Ron Klain trusts China too. Ron Klain is Joe Biden's pick for White House Chief of Staff. On January 27th of this year, Klein told Axios that China has been, quote, more transparent and more candid than it has been during past outbreaks. Why did Ron Klein think that? Possibly because the World Health Organization told him to think so. On January 8th, the WHO, funded of course by the Chinese government, released a similar message. Here it is, quote, Preliminary identification of a novel virus in a short period of time is a notable achievement and demonstrates China's increased capacity to manage new outbreaks. It was like a press release. In other words, the rest of us ought to be thanking the government of China for the blessing of COVID-19. Much appreciated. A week later, the WHO was back with more demonstrably untrue propaganda straight from their overlords in Beijing. Quote, Preliminary investigations conducted by the Chinese authorities have found no clear evidence of human-to-human transmission of the novel coronavirus. That was yet another dangerous lie that, without question, cost American lives. But Twitter didn't fact-check that either. Instead, the American media, as a group, dutifully amplified the message. China did nothing wrong, they told us. Anyone who suggests otherwise, who suggests this thoroughly Chinese virus, came from China is by definition a racist. Whose fault is it that Americans are dying from the virus? It's America's fault. It's your fault. Stop asking questions. And by the way, they're still saying that. So thorough was the news blackout on the origins of this virus, the Chinese origins, that you had to go to Australian television to find out what was actually happening.
12: From the very beginning throughout December it was spreading and we now know it was spreading human to human. But The official line of the Chinese government was that this was all related to an animal market, and once they closed the market, it would all go away.
13: Did they know differently at that time?
12: Absolutely. Because uh, they were seeing cases coming into the hospitals that had nothing whatsoever to do with that animal market. It had nothing
10: whatsoever to do with that animal market. Viewers of Australian television knew that. Viewers of American television had no idea. American TV channels were still doing little packages on the pangolin. What's a pangolin? It had nothing to do with the pangolin, or bats, or the wet market. You'll remember a few weeks ago we interviewed a Chinese virologist, Dr. Li Menyan, on this show. And She fled her country with a message for us. This virus, she said, came from a government lab in China. She said she knew that. In her own country, she would have been punished, possibly killed, for saying so. So she came here, to the land of the free. What did she find? She found her words censored by American tech companies working in tandem with the tyrants she fled. Once again, you had to go to 60 Minutes Australia to learn what was happening to people like Dr. Limanian.
13: As China now tries to rewrite history and claim it was transparent all along, a final nail in the coffin of their lie. Just two weeks ago, the head of emergency at Wuhan Central Hospital, Dr. Ai Fen, also went public.
10: Facing a coronavirus pandemic, something they'd never seen before. But they hid that information from the world and they arrested those who tried to report it. More critically, millions of people continued to travel through the city of Wuhan in central China, the epicenter of the pandemic. Then more than a million Chinese citizens flew here to the United States. More than a million. It wasn't until January 20th that the president of China, Xi Jinping, finally admitted the virus could be contagious. It could spread from person to person. Now, what is that? At best, it's criminal negligence. At worst, it's something like mass murder. But no, said the World Health Organization. In fact, it was just more evidence that the Chinese Communist Party was doing an extraordinary job managing the pandemic. And the American media heartily agreed. Watch this amazing clip from late March.
14: Right now, there's very, very few countries that have actually been able to reverse this, uh, this um, uh, epidemic. And bring their cases down to very low level, and in fact, the only country that has done that is China. It was um, the passion, the diligence, the sense of responsibility, the seriousness of the average Chinese, and I want to use that term very carefully because they weren't average; they're were extraordinary people. But they were driven by a sense of collective responsibility.
10: That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The passion, and diligence, and sense of responsibility, and seriousness of the Chinese. They're extraordinary people. It's in the blood. They're driven, and we want to quote this verbatim because it's important for the rest of us to learn from our mistakes. The Chinese are driven by quote, a sense of collective responsibility. Contrast that with us, fat, lazy, Trump-voting Americans, so selfish and short-sighted that we demand to go to church on Sundays or go out to dinner with our families once in a while. And then, deservedly, we get sick and die. Not Xi Jinping and the obedient communist nation he leads. They've found a better way. That's the message from our media. It's the message from our health establishment. It's the message from our elected officials. And it has been for almost a year. But it's not the whole story. We know that now. We're still not even close to knowing what really happened. We should find out. Alex, I, I could read you a whole thing from a guy
4: named uh, Roscoe. Davis. It was all lies. They've been lying. But I won't. I still want to go back to the one we did last time. Drew Holden takes no prisoners. Receipt filled thread of China's response. And we covered CNN the lead talking about how yeah they lied. Their numbers are fucking way higher. We knew that. Any person on the planet who has paid attention and you know, like social studies and shit that we used to do back in school and history knows that China's a communist state and they fucking lie like crazy. Logan Dobson is saying that people in media and elected officials are slamming the U.S. for having a worse response than China when it was obvious China was lying. Drew Holden, today's news about China poor and deceptive handling of the coronavirus outbreak should serve as a wake-up call for those in the media who praised and defended it because it's a long, long list. CNN, multiple. You're a liar. You're a piece of shit. You're xenophobic. If you do it, they even have the New York City mayor on there. Oh man, that's just xenophobic. NPR carrying water for China. Z defends China's COVID nineteen actions, and and you Yahoo, uh, ABC News. China's ambassador slams Trump. And I can go through a courts. We all know it. It goes on for like 95 freaking tweets that he went back and put in there. And I usually go through every one of them, but I'm not going to because of course they did. If freaking Trump said one, they'd say two. It wasn't about facts. It wasn't about doing the right thing. It wasn't about forming the American people. None of these things have mattered. The media just fucking hated Trump. They fucking hated Trump. Trump was a bastard. Everybody who voted for Trump was a fucking bastard or a bastet if they were female. Their whole mission was to own Trump. And if that took lying, well, that just... That's just what happens. It's all going to be okay. It'll work out. We're just going to keep on going down this road because we don't like that motherfucker. And and I I just, my God, there, there has never been a reckoning with 2016, how far they were wrong. There's never, and there will never be a reckoning of what the media has done for the last four fucking years in this country. And sadly, there'll probably be never a reckoning for them stealing an election. Because Dems can get away with anything. Governor Newsom orders residents to stay home so they can't spot him at the French Laundry. Those are articles coming out right now. You have LA Boutique. Holy cow. This is absolutely spectacular. Kitson's in Los Angeles. We the people are fighting back. And they're just calling out all these leaders. That are destroying shit. Because they just moved on. To show a correlation. Krugman. How will Biden deal with Republican sabotage? He called Trump. Illegitimate. I mean articles. With all due disrespect. John's gospel of Trump's illegitimacy and had the balls this week to say he wasn't saying it new york times opinion today's gop doesn't believe the democrats ever have the right to govern paul Krugman writes no matter how many votes they receive i could read it all not gonna because it's just it's everywhere Facebook fact-checkers accused of pushing half-truths about the election. Facebook says we'll remove disinformation about the vaccine. I I just... I can't understand how you could be this bad at your job. Can be so biased, and it's just okay. Americans are still watching this fucking crap. So that's a A block. I want to play a Tucker clip. I want to stop watching Tucker because I always do my scripts and they're sitting there. And then he does a show and it's in exact order and it really bugs the shit out of me. So I want to change things up. So I kind of did today. Bothers me. But he did a shot on real diversity. It's going to be long. It's going to be a long show. We're not doing a two hour today. It's too long going to hear him talk about real diversity cuz it's really a true statement. And then we're going to come into Project Veritas and I'm just going to play it. It's going to be super long. So basically for the next 40 minutes of this podcast, you're not going to hear me because every one of these Project Veritas are imperative to be listened to.
10: I'm in a flatter society, you would demand a return to meritocracy. You'd want a system where anyone, no matter where they were born or what they looked like or who they slept with, could succeed. That's what we used to have. It's why we were proud of America. But it's the opposite of what the left is now demanding. So if you really wanted to make companies more diverse, and again, we are for that, you would try to actually diversify them. That means you would hire people who were not in any sense like you. People with Different backgrounds, actually different backgrounds. You'd hire more people with technical degrees, for example, and fewer who'd studied marketing or communications. You'd find people who lived in rural zip codes, deep in rural zip codes. You'd seek out employees who were deeply involved in their churches, or owned guns, or who had close family members who died of opioid ODs. And more than anything, on day one, You would put a cap on the number of employees who went to elite colleges. Let's just start with the top 100 on the U.S. News annual list. You would outright ban Harvard, Yale, Princeton, and Stanford graduates completely. They've got enough representation to last for the next half century. You'd make any previous employment at McKinsey & Company or any other absurd consulting firm instantly disqualifying. You would look beyond race and sex to the cultural markers that actually matter and that actually determine later success in a class system. You would subtract points from any applicant who'd ever spent the night on Nantucket or Martha's Vineyard or St. Bart's. And you would add points to applicants who vacation in Branson or Lake Mead or the Florida Panhandle. You would start an aggressive, affirmative action program for fat people, for deer hunters, for anyone who drives an American car or eats dinner while wearing a hat. Are those people represented on corporate boards? I don't think so. Find a fat person in corporate America. There's not one. Why is that? You know why. Our leaders are doing precisely the opposite of any of that. And it tells you everything. What you're seeing is the ruling class pulling up the ladder, as they always do, as all ruling classes do. How many of the people lecturing you about diversity come from exactly the same elite background? Well, pretty much all of them. So what they're advocating for is people just like themselves. We can give you a thousand examples. We'll just pick one. Take Marcus M- Mabry. He runs Global Digital Program.
1: I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your
6: nose
3: Yuletide
1: cows being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows It's the most wonderful time of the year Silver bells, silver bells I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Memories, Christmas memories They're the sweetest ones I know.
4: Merry Christmas from Flyover
15: Politic Podcast.
16: Hunter Biden's story was an explosive blow against Joe Biden leading up to the presidential election. But listen on this 9 a.m. editorial conference call at CNN how President Jeff Zucker chooses to not cover this important story.
17: I think uh, on the Breitbart New York Post Fox News rabbit hole of Hunter Biden, which I don't think anybody outside of that world understood last night, the Wall Street Journal reported that uh, their review of all corporate records so, showed no role for Joe Biden uh, on the um, uh, uh, on the Chinese deal. And yes, I do put more credibility in the Wall Street Journal than I do in the New York Post. Um.
18: Obviously, uh, we're not going with the uh, New York Post story uh, right now on Hunter Biden, and uh, which seems to be uh, giving its marching orders to Fox News and the right-wing echo chamber about what to uh, talk about today. Obviously, Hunter Biden's lawyer is quoted in that New York uh, Post piece, and we'll just continue to report out this is the very stuff that the president was impeached over. This is the stuff that Senate committees looked at and found nothing wrong in uh, Joe Biden's uh, interactions. Uh, uh, with ukrainians and uh now having an email that uh perhaps there was a meeting with someone uh from burisma is uh, uh it seems uh Rudy Giuliani's sort of dream a vision of, of how to throw stuff at the wall
1: in these closing days of the campaign
17: hey jeff it's just david on the burisma story and we should be awfully careful about that obviously but i do think there's a media story of what in the world are uh Maggie Haberman and uh, Jake Sherman doing, retweeting that story.
16: Jeff Zucker, president of CNN, explains to his editorial team on the 9 a.m. call that we recorded that they should, quote, lean in to not normalizing Trump's erratic behavior.
17: Listen to this. Okay, I, I just want to reemphasize that, uh, you know, I, I think we, we cannot normalize what has happened here. uh in the last week, with Trump and his behavior, and I, I go back to what David said, David Chalian said that this is a president who knows he's losing, who knows he's in trouble, uh, is sick, maybe is uh, on on uh, the after effects of steroids or not. I don't know, but he is acting erratically and desperately, and we we need to. Uh, 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 we need to. We need to not normalize that. You know, this is what we've come to expect uh, for the last three and a half years, four years. But it clearly is exacerbated by uh, the time that we're in and the issues that he's dealing with. And I think that we cannot just let let it be normalized. He is all over the place and acting erratically. And I think we need to lean into that. The the the, the Trump media, uh, you know clues immediately from, okay, well, never mind, that unmasking was, you know, found uh, to be completely non to, to the latest uh, uh, alleged scandal and uh, expect everybody to just follow suit. So uh, I, I don't think that we should be repeating unsubstantiated uh, smears just because the right-wing media suggests that we should. Frankly, if we've made any mistake, it's that our banners have been too uh polite and and we need to go well after lindsey graham there's a ton going on let's stay strong let's stay newsy let's stay urgent let's let's uh be smart there is uh a lot of news out there and uh lindsey graham really deserves it each of these so-called handles for trump each of these things we should just once again be careful to say that this is the one that uh, is going to undo him with his voters. Were. And to respond to uh, David Chalian's uh, uh, points about politics, um, I don't know why we would expect any of these politicians to have a conscience and or expect that politics wouldn't be completely hypocritical. And for us to expect anything else would be naive.
16: CNN says on Jeff Zucker's 9 a.m. editorial conference call how they, the Democratic Party, powerful interest groups, may determine how CNN will cover Trump not conceding the presidential election.
19: I just want to underscore something that Michael said earlier about the transition and Trump because I've been talking to a lot of people this morning on both sides and I just keep hearing the same thing, folks from Republicans who have not come out to congratulate Biden, but, uh, but also to those who have in the Democrats. And that is that we have to be, you know, news organizations have to be very careful and very responsible about not giving Trump too much of a platform on his not conceding because they feel the transition can go forward and you know other than the national security briefings which are critical to start now uh they just don't want us to exaggerate that trump isn't leaving office and i'm going to have a lot of specific reporting on that later today but just the big picture wanted to underscore what Michael had said.
17: Yeah, agreed.
19: On the issue of why it's important to get the transition going right, um, the 9-11 report talks about one of the problems was that the the trouble that was brewing got lost during the transition. So if you want a good concrete example of what happens when you don't have a good transition,
15: We'll
17: look at the twin towers. Yeah, so I think that's an important point. Um, uh, I think it was just a little bit yesterday in terms of national security. I think it's really uh, important to raise again. I, I would I would encourage folks to think about you know that 9/11 commission report and the lack of transition.
16: Despite our own investigations into widespread voter fraud, CNN President Jeff Zucker still labels Trump as a bigger threat to our national security. Play the clip.
19: These eerie Pennsylvania allegations of backdating um, ballots were retracted.
17: Trump continuing to undermine election integrity with baseless bl- claims of fraud. Okay, and he's continuing to do it, and that leads to the question of whether or not Trump in himself is a national security threat in light of, in light of what he's doing and of what in light of what he did in the debate. Hey, Jeff. It's David. I just wanted to make one point about contextualizing Ben Ginsburg. Uh, he's without a doubt the preeminent election lawyer on the Republican side and probably one of the most preeminent election lawyers in America. He's also had a front row seat to every uh, Republican election initiative for in the past four years. If he says voter fraud isn't a thing, that's kind of the end of the story. And we ought to treat that as a definitive answer uh, as we cover the story throughout. Our refrain ought to be, Ben Ginsburg was across us for 40 years and says it doesn't exist.
16: CNN is under the impression that the NFL can run the country better than our own government. Listen to him speak on Jeff Zucker's 9 a.m. conference call. This is signed by Mike Ditka.
7: As I was reading through the comments, uh, Jim Acosta talking to people in the crowd at the rally last night and obviously seeing all those pictures of no social distancing and very few people with masks on, et cetera, um, And the contrast
16: to the uh, football game last night where uh, lots of masks,
1: uh, people socially distanced, the whole plan in place to uh, protect uh, the fans, the players,
7: the referees, the coaches, everybody. You know, Andy Reid wearing a face shield on the field. And the NFL, you know, is an example of like, if the NFL was
18: running the government, uh,
1: then things would probably be in much better shape than they are.
4: Is anybody even surprised by that? Now, I decided, and I, I know it seems silly, I just told you it's going to be 40 minutes, and I come back a few seconds later. But I I downgraded the Twitter or the Tucker segment, and I only played the news is narrative, as, as I call it, from the CNN. Not the Fox hate. We'll pick it up at another show, because these are going to keep coming. But is anybody actually surprised by that? If you listen to the show... Habitually, for, this is now the 400, well technically it's the 500th, but we're doing our 500th show on Wednesday because there's some doubles where I split them. In fact, the first two shows listed are 15 and 16 because there were 14 shows before it. But that was back when I was doing it on a microphone that was mono and I couldn't get Audacity to work because I didn't know what I was doing. Anyway, so this is the 499th show. If you've listened to it, you know CNN is garbage. They're just garbage. They've been garbage ever since Obama. CNN, understand, was my station. When I was a soldier, you couldn't find a place without CNN on. You just couldn't. Because it was everywhere. Because they were news. They were actual news, Mr. President. And now you literally hear what we know they were doing. Which makes it all just fucking perfect. It's just perfect. Charlie Kirk. Democrats thought one secondhand whistleblower account of a phone call was not to impeach a president, but somehow hundreds of firsthand whistleblower accounts of voter fraud aren't sufficient enough to warrant investigation. It's our next segment, the election fraud, but I thought it worked really well with those sound bites of CNN. Those are the people. And now you know why the narrative's the way it is. Now you know why they hate Trump. They hate Christians, gun owners, pro-life. These fucking people wouldn't know facts if they bit them in their ass. Because everything, to them, is what politicians do. They are the Democratic Party. They spend everything going, how can we spend this? That's why... Straight up facts about the election fraud is misinformation and you hear missing context when Democrats fuck up, but when a Republican fucks up, we don't even investigate it. We just say, this is a smoking gun. It's the end of a presidency 500 times. I mean, I thought of the other day, me and my wife were talking about, we're driving around, she wanted to listen to my podcast. So we played a podcast, I don't remember which one it was, and she goes, Fucking Republicans need to just, they need to impeach Biden. Just start right off the bat, impeach him, because she paid attention. She was reading the stuff about Hunter Biden's laptop. And I said, that is a real crime. It won't go to impeachment. Because unfortunately in our country, to get things there... You, you need the media behind you to sway public opinion. And yeah, the Republicans used to have Fox, but they don't have them anymore. So you can't get that opinion across. We have allowed our media to do way too much in our country. So the responses on this... Because as you could tell, CNN's gonna sue him, uh, kill him, rape him, dox him. It's all the same thing. Chris Saliza. So let me get this straight: Jeff Zucker, the president of CNN, providing editorial direction and thoughts on a staff call every morning is a bad somehow? So dumb. It's called doing his job. James O'Keefe, the head of a news network, ordering reporters to not cover news with nobody on a call pushing back should concern independent journalists. Also, why is Zucker calling law enforcement on us? For reporting what he said, Chris. Put your conscience before your company, man. CNN had the balls to say, legal experts say this is a crime. The same motherfuckers who ran 47% for that piece of shit Mitt Romney. It's not a crime. The reality is, you're dumbasses. As the person in charge of the call, who probably is that arrogant prick, Zuckerberg, or Zucker, sorry, Zuckerberg, Zucker, they're all fuckheads. Folks, they tell you how many people are on the goddamn call. They tell you. I used to sit and wait to see everybody leave because I'd have manager meetings and a lot of people I know weren't showing up. They'd show up and say, Hey, I'm here. And then they just shut off. So whoever's in charge of that thing, you're, you're fucking dumbass. So there's our Veritas. I'm not going to elaborate more. I just love playing that kind of stuff. Because this show, as those that are new to it, is just about media. Usually, it's about dogging the media, and now it turns into, over the last four years, dogging Democrats and media, because Democrats and media are one and the same. And for those that are new, because I noticed a lot of new, I'm an independent, wasn't mega, but I voted for him twice because the Democrats put up really bad candidates, and the Democratic Party is very violent. wants total control, and that's a scary thing if you're just an independent. If you want parity, if you want both parties to start compromising and working out real solutions for America, you're not going to get that with Grandpa and the Squad. So let's get into our election. I'm just going to play videos of testimony that was ignored by every network
8: but owned.
20: When you said the six-foot rule, we were, in fact, given a paper with these rules saying that we can break the six-foot six foot rule when we have to challenge a ballot. We even had the printed paper with us, and when we would show it to the supervisor, he'd say, we are enforcing the rules that we were given. That's the rule your team that sent you gave you. We don't have to abide by it because that does not apply to us, and we have to keep low profile. You have to understand if we don't want to be kicked out. If we don't want to, be, I, I may not be because I'm brown. But uh, all I'm saying is, but that, that was my trump card that I used all day. Uh, but then uh, the thing is, that's not a privilege for a white person. So white people, I could see were not even daring to ask a question because if they were even a little bit louder, they would say, "You're disturbing them, so they need to get out." And you have to understand the table, the poll workers were ganging up with Democrats. They were all in on the same team, and the only people that are being isolated are the Republican, white male Republicans. So that, that yeah, that's Please. racism. If people ask me was I ever treated uh, unfairly, I would say rarely. Come to India, you will know what racism is. But here, no, I've been treated with a lot of respect. Now I see white people are being treated as, you know, so much worse than you know I was ever treated. So those people were not able to really loudly challenge because they will get kicked out. They did not want to abide by that rule where we can break that six foot rule to challenge a ballot because they didn't want to listen to what we had to say. $25
21: gift
22: cards to raffle off. That's a lot of money cash here. Um, we have um, also four $100 gift cards to give away um so again you want to make sure you get out here to vote and then we have four two hundred and fifty dollar gift cards to raffle and our grand prize is going to be a five hundred dollar visa gift
18: card um not one of the military ballots was a registered voter um and the ballots look like they were all exactly the same xerox copies of the ballot they were all for biden across the board there wasn't a single trump vote and none of the the voters were registered. They had to manually enter the names and addresses and a birth date of one 2020 which would override the system and allow them to enter non-registered voters, of which I saw several that day. Throughout the day, that's how they would override voters that were neither in the electronic po- poll book or the supplemental updated poll book. Thank
13: you. Welcome to the Senate Oversight Committee. You have three minutes. Thank you, committee. I am so happy to be here. Let me put my hat back on because this is my prize right here. This is the winner who won the election before it was cheated. And um, uh, as a sidebar for Senator um, Santana, welcome, my sister, from the D. If Black Lives Matter, why did you skip me? Well, let me tell you, it was voter fraud at its finest. Pure and calculated fraud. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if people up here was involved.
7: Welcome to the Senate Oversight Committee. You have three minutes.
13: Thank you, committee. I am so happy to be here. Let me put my hat back on because this is my prize right here. This is the winner who won the election before it was cheated. And um, uh, as a sidebar for Senator um, Santana. Welcome, my sister from the D. If Black Lives Matter, why did you skip me? Well, let me tell you, it was voter fraud at its finest. Pure and calculated fraud. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if people up here was involved. That, that's not the What case. did you guys
22: do? Take it and uh, do something crazy to it? I'm just
10: saying the numbers are not off by 30,000 votes. So I know what I saw. That they're
23: filling in?
10: I
22: know and, what I saw, and I signed something saying that if I'm wrong, I can go to prison. Okay. Did you? Okay. We're, we're, I I, think just right. to- sure. My name is Melissa Carone. Um I was contracted to work. Um, for Dominion voting systems i was uh, i 'm a freelance i t worker uh, i was contracted to work for Dominion to assist with i t during the election
24: and when you were working there what uh, what did you observe
22: uh, I observed um, numerous employees um, city workers um, Running batches of ballots through the tabulators countless times without discarding them first. The tabulating machines would jam two to three times an hour. When they would jam, the correct process would be to pull out the problem ballot that jammed. Say the problem ballot was number 24 out of 50. We would, I would, I wasn't allowed to touch any hardware at all. I would assist them, tell them to pull out this ballot, um, put the problem ballot on top. In Michigan, our ballots um, from the tabulators don't just drop into ballot, steal ballot boxes. Um, They are now, as they got tabulated, they are now on top of the tabulating machine. Okay? So instead of them taking these So say, let's keep it number 25 is the problem ballot. It got jammed. So the computer would throw an error. It would say ballot number 25, uh, there there is an error. I would say pull out ballot number 25, slowly pull it out, put it on top, take the, um, the ballots that had already been tabulated, which are on top of the tabulating machine now, put them all back in a stack, discard the entire batch, and re-scan it. Instead of discarding, they were just re-scanning, 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 counting ballots nine to ten times, counting votes nine to ten times.
24: So they were counting the same ballot, the same vote, nine or ten times. Yes, sir. So how many ballots would you estimate in front of you that you observed were counted multiple times in the machine can you put a number to it an estimated number at
22: least, at, the, least 30, at least 30,000
9: at least 30,000 okay thank
22: you my life has been destroyed my life has been completely destroyed because of this i've lost family i've lost friends i've been threatened i've been th- my kids have been threatened my i've i've had to move I've had to change my phone number. I've had to get rid of social media. I've there nobody wants to come forward. They're getting threatened. They their people their lives are getting ruined. I can't even get an actual job anymore.
4: That was Michigan to include the outside. And you heard people getting yelled at and protesters and all that kind of shit because, you know, that that's 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 how we fucking roll. Then we had Georgia, and then I'll break down both with different articles and things like that, but Georgia, and thanks to Glock Mom for pointing it out, I don't know if she's on this, but the Zelina parent lady, my God in fucking heaven, she was so goddamn rude that I had to find out who she was, because her conduct alone makes me a person who was on the fence about election fraud, believe this shit's 100%. 100%. 100%. Because she's too defensive.
12: At about 8 o'clock in the morning, we're going to roll this back and show it to you. There you go. So now they're going to start pulling these ballots out from under this table. This table, the black one, was placed there by the lady with the blonde braids at about 8.22 a.m. in the morning. So she put that table there. So the same person who's staying behind now, the same person who cleared the place out under the pretense that we're going to stop counting, is the person who put the table there at 8.22 in the morning. Yeah, I saw four suitcases come out from underneath the table. Yeah, upper right hand, you see the gentleman in the red. So he just pulled one out. So what are these ballots doing there separate from all the other ballots? And why are they only counting them whenever the place is cleared out with no witnesses? Is the question. So these machines can process about 3,000 ballots an hour. You have multiple multiple machines there, and they're there for two hours. So you do the math. How many ballots went through those machines in those two hours when there was no one there to supervise, to be present, consistent with your statutes and rules to supervise the tabulation? We believe that could easily be and probably is certainly beyond the margin of victory in this race.
9: 2,506 felons voted illegally in Georgia. 66,248 underage and therefore ineligible people to illegally register to vote before their 17th birthday when the law requires 17 and a half years old. At least 2,423 individuals to vote who were not listed as registered. 1,043 individuals to cast ballots. who had illegally registered to vote using a post office box. 4,926 individuals voted in Georgia who had registered to vote after their Georgia voter registration date, thereby canceling their Georgia voter registration. 10,315 or more individuals to vote who are deceased by the time of the election. Three hundred and ninety five individuals to vote in Georgia who had cast ballots in another state, which is illegal in both states. Fifteen thousand seven hundred individuals to vote in Georgia who had filed a national change of address with the United States Postal Service prior to November 3rd, 2020. Forty thousand thousand. 279 individuals to vote who had moved across county lines at least 30 days prior to election day and who had failed to properly re register to vote in their new county after moving, also in violation of Georgia law.
17: 都可以的, 因为,
23: 因为它那个油墨
17: 油, 油, 应当好像也要好几天了物流比较慢
4: Now, understand that was me just on Twitter going around. There's the phone call ordering fake ballots. There's the suitcase video. And there's a breakdown of illegal voters. And our media aired none of that. Not None. Zero. Nada. They didn't even touch it. It doesn't exist. And it's just like violence that we covered on the show throughout the summer... You can't not see it. And this Elena Parent lady, that's debunked. This is debunked. That's debunked. It's just like social media, the media. They really truly believe they can just say that and everything goes away. What you just witnessed, people pulling suitcases under a table that was put in there serendipitously and all of a sudden all these ballots just show the fuck up coupled with all this data, it just goes away. There's no fraud. We did a recount. So let me get this straight. After our recount, you're still saying this is true? Well, if the same people recounted and cheated the first time, there's no evidence of all this shit. You threw it the fuck out. We're not fucking stupid. Every envelope for most of these swing states that didn't go with the Voting trends everywhere else on the goddamn planet is in a garbage can or shredded or burned. Murray, Roth, Bad, 1776. In Georgia in 2016, this is the data that came out. You had only 1,999,350, 199,356 mail in votes. This time you had 1.3. You had a 6.4% rejection rate. This time you had two-tenths of a percentage rejection rate. Uh, They did this wrong because numbers are easier than percentages. So let's just do the math. They had almost 200,000 votes in 2016, and they rejected 12,759 of those. Yeah, I got a calculator. But you got 1.3, and you only rejected 2,600. That in itself if it's not a red flag, it's a ma flag, or maybe a really pretty pink, because that shit don't make no sense. Um, You have 96,000 mail-in ballots that were voted, yet the county records show they were never received back. Altogether, you had 231,888 ballots with no return record at all. You were able to cancel 134,000, but you kept the ninety six. There was no return record for them at all. The pattern has appeared in other states that were involved in massive fraud. I might say that a good deal of what I see here is very similar, blah, 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 blah. Uh, You you saw it. And then I played it. 250, 2,506 felons voted. 66,248 underage voted, 2,423 individuals voted, 1,043 are registered to use a P.O. box which you can't do, 4,926 voted after their voter registration date, and 10,315 individuals were dead. All of that's within what they manipulated to get him the win. But yeah, Georgia's is she says. All of them say. The media didn't even cover it. The moment that lady said, this is disputed, that video was disputed. And the entire world said, who are you going to believe, Twitter or your lying eyes? How is a video of people pulling shit out of a suitcase Disputed. And they came up with lame excuses that, well, people change their minds so we cancel out their absentee ballot, or well, we have to make provisionals and we photocopy them so they can go through the machine. Cause Michigan uh witness Michigan hearing says all military ballots you saw look like zero copies in each each other. None of them were registered Michigan voters and all were for Biden. Most are missing the point. Only registered voters are allowed to vote, regardless of which candidate they voted for. So many trolls online—it's disgusting. This vote is the Secretary of State. Two hundred and fifty investigations of credible claims of illegal voting. They're trying to push this under the fucking paper or under the fucking carpet and try to get it to go because in their they they know they fucking cheated. I bet you a dollar to a cow's ass. They didn't even know there was a camera there. And if they did, they didn't think anybody would give it to them. But it's now the uh, fourth. It's been a month. It took them a month to get the goddamn video. This Murray guy again, um, Muslim poll watcher. They assumed I was a Democrat because the way I look said, let's get those motherfuckers out talking about Democrats obstructing GOP poll watchers in Wayne County. Then a long one, breaking, in a stunning testimony. Phil Dorian Michigan resident for 34 years, GOP poll watcher dating back to the 90s, stated the following, a lack of ballot security and chain of c- custody under oath. While ballots are generally transported by two people, one or more... On more than one occasion, there was just a single transporter. At the departure point, the Department of Elections, the loading of the vehicle was rarely, if ever, supervised. We saw no transfer paperwork, no people with clipboards logging departures, any logging a type or number of number ballots on arrival at the TCF Center. At the Challenger Conference the week before, the Director of Elections admitted they did not transport ballots with chain of custody. One woman was even photographed carrying hundreds a blank ballots under his arm in an alley behind the DOE. The ballots were in no container, which is required by law. The Man City had been doing this all week long. The transport has frequently arrived at the TCF Center and assorted of cars and vans, many without out state plates, and they did not appear to be rentals. On the afternoon of November 4th, I observed a Penske truck that appeared to be guarded by two men in the city of Detroit pick up behind it. They told me that the truck was empty, but when we returned about four hours later, after dark, at about 9.30, the two men were still there behind the- the truck after being barred entry to the TCF Center at around 10 p.m. I returned and saw the truck leaving the Department of Elections and followed to the TCF Center, where disappearing in the rear service entrance. I then encountered a SWAT team blocking my entrance to the county board. I informed the sergeant that the truck I described delivering ballots and late after the polls, 26 hours, that could be a crime. He said he would not search the truck that night, but would report the incident, and they did nothing about it. Nothing. Because our media has ignored it and they're still
7: basically blaming Republicans and Trump for COVID. Put this in perspective for all of us. Why is this evidence so important?
25: Well look, let's face it, most people suspected that China probably hadn't given us the full picture, but as time went by, the authoritarian system China is governed by, essentially brushed aside all that you s- debate you saw in democracies about masks or no masks. They put in a serious clampdown, efficient measures, and said, look we've got control of this, our system is the best. What these documents show is that internally, while they were initially dealing with this, they made mistakes, miscounted, misdiagnosed, misinformed the world about what they were really seeing for lots of reasons, possibly involving chaos, possibly involving their own internal political motivations, but they were not transparent, and so subsequently the rest of the world didn't learn from their experience as much as it could have. At the same time, John, what's important is the World Health Organization right now are trying to get an investigation underway in Wuhan as to how the virus began, its origins. That's vital for us to get an answer to because unless we know where this came from we can't stop it from happening again. It could occur, possibly worse at some point in our lifetime, imagine that. So this is a vital element of information which should, frankly, be shared uh, more widely. So scientists can pore over it, and there has to be—you'd think—more. John. Well, we can't depend on transparency from the Chinese, which is why it's so important, Nick, to have your reporting. A good Sunday morning, and I hope you're
7: having a safe and enjoyable Thanksgiving Day weekend. Throughout America's COVID crisis, there has been a parade of grim statistics. Among them, as of this morning, there have been more than 13.3 million cases and more than 266,000 deaths in the United States alone, with little reason to believe things will improve in the short run. But if there is one statistic that stands out above all the others, it is this one. The United States has 4% of the world's population and somehow has 19% of the world's COVID deaths. This is hardly what people mean by American exceptionalism. And no amount of gainsaying or presidential tweeting that increased testing is somehow to blame can wish away this dubious honor. This weekend, tens of millions ignored pleas from health experts and some government officials to avoid travel and instead spend time at home with their immediate families. The result may well be a COVID surge beyond the record numbers we've seen. How did we get here? Did we lose faith in our government because our government gave us reason to lose faith in it? Was it a decades-long assault on science and objective facts, particularly by some of the right? Was it a fractured media environment that invites people to seek alternative facts that fit their personal worldview, Or are we just fed up, done with months of Zoom meetings and closed stores and kids home from school that we've simply had enough? Enough that millions feel it's worth taking a big risk to have a brief sense of normalcy. Whatever the cause, the results are clear. Millions are being infected. Hospitals are near their breaking point, and healthcare workers are the ones paying the price.
19: Do you have faith in our government's ability to immunize Americans on this scale?
14: Well, it's going to be tricky, and it's kind of weird that the CDC, throughout this epidemic, uh, hasn't had the visible role that you would have expected. A lot of these things delegated to the states, the execution will not be what it should be. But overall, I do think we'll get it out. It just the, the federal government has abdicated on many things during this pandemic.
19: You're not one for politics, but that's a pretty serious indictment. The federal government has abdicated on some of its fundamental responsibilities in a public health crisis.
14: Yeah, the, the federal government has way more resources than the state's Punting it to the states means it won't be perfect, but it'll get done.
19: Would you have expected the U.S. to have done better in a pandemic?
14: Dramatically. Do
19: you blame the president for that?
14: I think the administration overall, uh, as we do the postmortem, there'll be a lot of things like confused messaging, lack of leadership uh, that will fall uh, on the executive branch and we'll hope that the next time uh, we do a lot better.
19: Do you feel hopeful that there's a new administration do you feel like you'll have a a better partner there to work with in terms of the the immunization and the efforts that are needed going forward
14: yeah i think there'll be less denial uh i I think we'll have a more consistent message that hey we're here to even if the news is bad we're going to be frank with you about uh what's going on um so what are we to do after an unprecedented period of
6: perfidy by people in this party where they sat silent. How do you cover that going forward?
24: Well, you have to cover it the way the good reporters, uh, men and women, have done for the past uh, four years, increasingly toward the end of this Trump era. And that is, call a lie a lie. Ask him why he lies. Ask him to explain it. Be very aggressive. I was once known as aggressive. I was a pussycat. And I could be, because the presidents I covered were gentlemen. They never said, at least to my face, you should be fired. You're a disgrace to your network. They may have thought it, but they didn't say it. And we both sides, the press and the presidents, knew what their roles were and tried to fulfill them. But the men and women who have had to deal with Donald J. Trump, they've had something as unprecedented in our history. I compliment each and every one of them. So give it to him and give it to his enablers. They've got to come to the Lord if this party, the Republican Party, is going to be reconstituted. COVID is now Russia. The media and Dems, they just say fucking
4: COVID and everything they're doing just goes the fuck away. PA, you could say the hearing didn't go too well for the GOP. But Michigan and Georgia... My God in heaven, there is no way with a honest, open look at what went on that you can't say this was shady and it goes back to the same things we said. If you go back and listen to this podcast on the day after the election, it was we've never, ever stopped voting and then allowed hundreds of thousands of ballots to dump and we kept counting until Biden won. You can't say it was mail-in ballots. You can't say this is a different election. You can't say anything. It's bullshit. It's all bullshit. They stole the election. And the worst part about it is they're going to get away with it. All because, as we segue in, our media is too busy having a fucking group orgasm over Biden.
23: This is CNN Breaking News. It's time to talk about our brave firefighters. Our media, operatives
1: for the DNC.
0: Kate Snow with you here in New York. We've been watching announcements by uh, President-elect Joe Biden of his some of his economic team. Let's go to Jeff Bennett, who's with the president-elect in Wilmington. Uh, Jeff, the message from the president-elect was help is on the way, uh, trying to paint a picture of an economic team that will be able to, to really help this yeah. economy in, in terms of uh, equality as well and making sure all Americans have a better future.
26: You're right about that, Kate. And these rollouts are really carefully choreographed to do a couple of things. One, to signal Joe Biden's priorities It's you just laid out, but also to allow his designees, his nominees, his appointees to introduce themselves directly to the American people, to really use the force of their personal stories to help blunt partisan attacks.
4: Sweet God, these people are just pathetic. I mean, we all remember. We all remember. It was just a month ago. You were saying they're fucking horrible. Joe Biden took only one question. A president like Joe Biden Tuesday introduced key members of the economic team at an event in Wilmington, Delaware, including Janet Yellen, to be the first woman to serve in Treasury. Reporter, how's your foot? Yeah, there's pictures of him stepping off with his bad foot as the weight foot. And in that meeting, of course, we go back to what we talked about last podcast near a pandit. Bill Christer. Crystal serious conservatives, responsible moderates, and hard-headed liberals should want a tough-minded OMB head. OMB is where cabinet secretaries' ill-considered projects go to die. Where programs are valued, where trade-offs are made, Neera Tannin is the right person for the job. Mary Cannon, no conservative, serious or otherwise, would possibly support Neera Tannen for dog catcher, much OMB. I thought you might snap out of it after the election, but it's simply true that you've lost your way uh Stephen L. Miller, serious conservatives who support the president of the Center for American Pro- Progress. Real mystery how you guys lost the plot there. Always Nira was a hashtag. And another one. Bill, this is an all time low. But Chuck Toad, Meet the Press, political director.
7: Oh, Republicans would just be laughed at. Republicans already decided to single out Nira Tandon. Um A, why is that? and b is that a reflection? If that's the fight they're going to pick, that means everybody else they're happy with.
0: Then you hear from
19: members like Senator John Cornyn of Texas, who has also already come out calling Nera Tandon- a radioactive, saying that that is someone that Republicans will mm-hmm. not support, saying that uh her past Twitter history criticizing Republicans <laughs> is a problem, of course, that is Forgive experience. me for
7: laughing. I'm sorry, Leanne. I mean, to have, I I mean, are are there really elected Republican senators who with a straight face are going to use mean tweets as a reason not to confirm somebody? I mean, it's sort of, if that is really the bar they're going to set, do they have any fear of being laughed at?
19: Well, apparently not. I mean, it's quite rich. So there's a lot of hypocrisy going and a lot of forgetfulness over the past few years, Chuck.
7: And it's that amnesia, Leanne, that I'm fascinated by. You know, you could argue that Donald Trump lowered the bar that anybody is confirmable now. Um, So then the question is, how how did the Republicans try to create a standard without being laughed at?
27: Tandon has nicknamed Ted Cruz Weasel Ted, for example, and compared Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to Lord Voldemort, a.k.a. Tom Riddle, a.k.a. the evil villain of the Harry Potter series. Joining me now, NBC News Capitol Hill correspondent Garrett Haig. So, Garrett, uh, former chief of staff to John McCain, Mark Salter, had this this tweet where he pointed out what he described as a hypocrisy of Republicans who sort of slammed Tandon's Twitter history, while for years staying silent on what he called the president's many disparaging comments on Twitter, writing, oh, did she hurt the feelings of these Republicans who have excused or ignored hundreds of offensive statements by Trump who's belittled people for their race, background, or looks? Poor baby." Uh, I mean, listen, I, don't, I truly don't mean to be glib here, but you and I for the last four years have heard many Republicans say they don't have time to be looking at Twitter when it comes to President yeah. Trump because they have jobs to do and actual policies to implement. And yet that seems to be at least some of the basis for the opposition to near it pandit. How concerned should the Biden team be here?
26: Yeah, look, I mean, mean tweets are hardly a typical reason for which somebody doesn't get confirmed to a cabinet-level post. But in this case... Tanden has been a political operator for most of her career. She worked for the Hillary Clinton campaign. She now leads the Center for American Progress, and she's not someone who has been previously Senate confirmed. So if you're looking at the landscape of these appointees that we've seen from Biden so far, here you see someone with a political background, doesn't have a history of already being confirmed, and someone who Republicans find personally distasteful for those mean tweets uh, that we've already mentioned. She might be the person who becomes something of a sink for Republicans who are angry about Biden, don't like his policies, what have you. Pick your issue to kind of go after. You know, you see some of these other appointees that are out there, the more national security-oriented security picks, Treasury Secretary and so forth. Uh, Governing-minded Republicans want to make sure that even someone who is in the opposite party will have a team that will allow the government to function early on. This may be one where they think they can go after somebody uh, with fairly little consequence, who they see as a partisan fighter.
14: But some Democrats are outraged with the president-elect's pick. Bernie Sanders, former campaign press secretary, tweeting, quote, everything toxic about the corporate Democratic Party is embodied in Neera Tanden. Tanden has faced multiple controversies before. She criticized Biden as a potential candidate in 2015 in private emails leaked by WikiLeaks. In 2017, days before President Trump's inauguration, Tanden responded to a Trump tweet alleging Russia hacked voting machines, writing, quote, Russians did enough damage to affect more than 70,000 votes in three states. In 2018, BuzzFeed reported she faced criticism over how she handled sexual harassment claims within the organization she led. But despite the growing list of potential scandals, the president-elect says he stands by his pick. Well,
18: first of all, that package that you just did, as critical as it was of her, was incredibly generous. She's so much worse than that. <laughs> Why Neera Tannen? She's totally unqualified for this position. Like, she's not an economist. She went to law school. She worked for Hillary Clinton. And then all she's done at this think tank for the last 10 years is raise millions of dollars from Silicon Valley, Wall Street, despots, and in, in the Gulf States, which is the real base of the Democratic Party. So they want her to oversee the regulatory and budgetary and economic policy of the administration on behalf of their real constituencies, which is all those people from whom she's been raising millions of dollars. But the thing is, Tucker, that just makes her an ordinary Democrat. She's just a swamp creature in that regard. She's a deranged and dangerous person. I don't mean just politically. I mean, like, behaviorally. When she, when she was working with Hillary Clinton to get Hillary Clinton elected, one of her own reporters at this think tank was arranged to have an interview with Hillary and asked Hillary about the Iraq war, and Neera Tandon was so angry, she punched him. And then later she claimed she merely pushed him. When she was running an all-staff meeting about three years ago, a woman who works at the think tank had filed a, a confidential complaint about sexual harassment about one, with, against one of Neera Tandon's male allies. And this is something that would ruin anyone else's career in Washington, she outed this woman at the all-staff meeting out of vengeance. She, when the Obama administration was bombing Libya into oblivion, she suggested internally that the way we should reduce our deficit as a nation is to use Libya's oil to make them pay us back for the favor of having destroyed their entire government. But here's the worst thing about her, Tucker. That, tip, that, that, that video you showed had her talking about Russian collusion. She didn't just push the, the most maximalist versions of Russian collusion. She pushed this conspiracy theory that is completely reckless and, and wild that Russia hacked into the voting machines and the reason Hillary lost in 2016 is because the Russians changed Hillary's votes to Trump's votes and that's the real reason Hillary lost that is a conspiracy theory that in 2018 two thirds of Democrats believe how can you have somebody in a position like this who is this deranged behaviorally and in terms of the conspiracy theories they contaminate people's brains with
4: it's fucking comical uh, DNC and New York Times joined Dems in mocking GOP opposition uh, veteran New York Times congressional reporter Carl Hulse and Emily Cochran teamed to scoff alongside Democrats and Republican opposition to think progress chief Neera Tandon, Biden's choice to fill the Office of Management and Budget. Balking at Tanden, GOP signals fight. The fierce and preemptive Republican pushback against President-elect Joseph R. Biden Jr.'s choice in Neera Tanden this week, pretty soon if you don't say the junior and you don't say R, you're disrespecting the office because, remember, it's coming. Before he gets inaugurated, I will say, I was right, here it is, we're back into the Obama era of, you can't disrespect the office. Choice of Nira Tannen this week to head the White House Budget Office underscores the difficulties the incoming administration will face in maneuvering its nominees through a polarized Senate. In 11 years since Mr. Biden served in the chamber, partisanship has intensified once an area dominated by courtesy, community, and presumption of accommodations, has become just another brutal battlefield, which Democrats have nothing to do with. Nothing at all. It wasn't them saying he was a Russian agent. Yeah, okay. But the New York Times, Ben Shapiro, gaslighting is endless opinion, our democracy's near death experience. It appears that our democracy dodged a bullet or more precisely multiple concerned effort by the president of the United States to torpedo its very foundation. Literally video of people pulling suitcases and trucks delivering ballots across state lines. That's not torpedoing everything because the New York Times hasn't touched it. Then you get the economist, policymaker, father figure, standing king. The Olympian job description sets an impossible standard for any American president. Our checks and balance podcast explores how Joe Biden might match up. Red states, at least the checks and balances are in quotes because you're not going to check and balance him. You're just not. Journal vacations have begun. Happy days are here again. Just take it from journalists like Daily Beast politics reporter, Hannah Trudeau. Joe Biden has already started making good on his promise to staff his administration in a way that looks like the country. He's building a highly diverse team at major levels of government. People asked, are you the new press secretary? You left off the squee. Hashtag. <laughs> San Francisco radio host, Edward R. Murrow, award-winning comedian, Chip Franklin, recently asked his followers a serious question about poor Republican voters. Chip Franklin, seriously question, why do poor people vote for Republicans? Back TTYS, replies and quote tweets of this are very revealing. Law and order liberal, serious answer. Lack of education and critical thinking, skilled readers... Skills render, I me mean, say it in English, lack of education and critical thinking, skills render them particularly susceptible to wedge issues. You have a whole group of people that are voting for defund the police. Furious citizen, most are indoctrinated in the church from young age as well. This does not help. You can see the common theme, anybody who's in the middle of the country, and that's why we call it flyover politic, you're uneducated, and you and your goddamn God. Fuck you, believe it in a fake shit. Ruthless now, disinformation combined with racism. Exactly, people said. Most poor people are less educated and fall easier for praying lies. Less educated, which is what Republicans depend on. Blue Patriot in Texas, mostly because they're misinformed. On some levels, they believe Republicans are either better for them economically, they're in the party of religion, or more recently, they're in the last defense against communism. Democrats will need to figure out a better way to go on offense. GW Hughes, mass propaganda and consistent and persistent use of se- several brainwashing techniques. For example, getting crowds of people to can't chant slogans, lock her up, repeatedly at rallies is brainwashing technique. It creates a group mind sense of belonging. I can't even read anymore because you got to be fucking shitting me. What the fuck was the summer of love? Oh, I forgot. Kill all the cops. That's not brainwashing. Hmm. Detroit Free Press under fire for making the most fear-inducing, obnoxious claim about COVID yet. Once again, COVID's permeating everything. COVID has turned breathing into a deadly event and all of us into a potential serial killer. We're not going to fear that. No. Mm-mm. No. No. Nope. Then we have Brett Baer versus John Dol- Oliver Darcy. Derelection of Duty, this is Darcy from Brett Baier, Fox Chief Political Anchor, who just held multiple clips from Trump's 44-minute voter fraud video without any sort of fact check. Brett Baier, sorry you missed the beginning of the show, Oliver, and the panel segment, but thanks for the tweet. It's great, Kristen, fact-checked at the very start of your show. You then played a bunch of clips later and didn't provide any of the necessary context. Brett Baier, I am mid-show. But you may want to rewind. Kevin Corker piece, the discussion with the panel. It's called Balance. You should try it. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Stephen L. Miller. Brett Bear just torched Oliver Darcy while on commercial. Here's the problem. What about all the COVID lies that China was telling the truth? COVID wasn't here. Uh... Uh, Pelosi and company, I'm going to stop him from stopping travel because he's a xenophobe. And then two weeks later saying he didn't stop travel soon enough. How about all the fucking people that said you need to go to Chinatown and eat a bowl of COVID? You've never heard that. And let's just talk about Russia. Let's talk about, let's talk about myriad, two scoops of ice cream. You people have retracted nothing. You haven't owned 2016 lies of Hillary going to win by 95 points. And we're still sitting here after you said Wisconsin was going to go 18% for Biden. And then you got Mike Schellenberger, a lefty. As a lifelong environmental activist, I'm horrified that some young people say they might not have children because of climate change. The truth is that most trends relating to climate change and environment are heading in the right direction. He goes on an extreme long, huge thing that I'm not going to read because we've done it a million times on the show, and says the left is just fear-mongering and using it for politics, and it actually makes it worse for the climate. Nut jobs. But you'll never hear that in the media.
14: There is a growing conscience that the way we are moving is a suicide in relation to the future and to all future generations.
11: So to take your
14: metaphor, the world is on the ledge And your job is to convince the world to step off of it rather than jump. It is true. So it's time for the war between humankind and nature to
11: end. Why is humankind at war with nature?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're fucking horrible. We're just... It's just fucking horrible. I say it each podcast, but we'll never have a free election with media like this. It just never happened. In my lifetime, we'll never have an open election where both candidates are treated caustically by our media. And remember, for those who knew new the show, I spent 20 fucking years defending the Constitution and freedom of speech. I want a Fox News I want a CNN, I want a MSNBC, but I don't want them the way they are now. Both parties are the enemy. That's the way the media should look at it, but they don't. We now have a media that's so vested into democratic politics and policies that it's criminal. The election itself and the way they set it up so that Biden could win wasn't bad. How they're ignoring the fucking overt and blatant fraud. Goddamn. That's criminal. So, I know we're long today and I'm trying to do the two hours, but I gotta play. I went back and watched Dirty Jobs. And there was a TED Talk... For Mike Rowe, it's 20 minutes long. I'm going to edit it down and get about 10 minutes of it. But I, I really ask you, instead of music today, we're playing it. Go to YouTube and search Mike Rowe and watch this whole thing. Because I think if there's a person that surmises the middle of the country, who we are as Americans, Not the bubbles, not the New York City people and the San Francisco and the people that do believe there's 99 pronouns and that 50% of the country's gay. Which, by the way, I just took a YouGov on that. And they kept asking me how many people are gay in America. And I kept on saying 5.5%. And they kept on asking me because they're like, there's no way you believe that when that's actually the truth. But he was all over the country. And he got brought on once to meet the press, never brought again, because Chuck Todd was offended by him just saying, yeah, I totally understand why Trump won, because more people think like him than Hillary. And then we'll come into our violence, which won't be super long. We should be able to make it below three three hours, I- I'm hoping. Enjoy.
3: And in, and I took him, I took him like this, and I yanked my foot back, and I'm standing there with two testicles on my chin. <laughs> And now I can't, get, I can't shake the metaphor, okay? I'm still, in, I'm still in poetics and Aristotle, and I'm thinking, out of nowhere, two terms come crashing into my head that I hadn't heard since my classics professor in college drilled them there, and they are anagnorisis and peripatia. Anagnorisis and peripatia. Anagnorisis is the Greek word for discovery. The, literally, the translation, the, the, the transition from ignorance to knowledge is anagnorisis. It's what our network does it's what dirty jobs is and i'm up to my neck in anagnorises every single day great the other word peripatia. that's that that's the moment in the great tragedies you know euripides and, uh, and sophocles that's the moment where oedipus has his moment where he suddenly realizes that hot chick he's been sleeping with and having babies with is his mother okay that's peripeteia were peripatia, and this metaphor in my head, I got anagnorisis and peripatia on my chin. <laughs> I got to tell you, it's such a great device, though. When you start to look for peripatia, you find it. You find it everywhere. You know, I mean, Bruce Willis in the Sixth Sense, right? spends the whole movie trying to help the little kid who sees dead people, and then boom! Oh, I'm dead. Peripatia, you know? It's 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 crushing when the audience sees it the right way. Neo in the Matrix you know, oh, I'm living in a computer program. That's weird. You know, these discoveries that lead to sudden realizations, you know, and I've, and I've been having them over 200 dirty jobs. I have them all the time, but that one, that one drilled something home in a way that I just wasn't prepared for. And as I stood there looking at the happy lamb that, uh, you know, I had just defiled, but it looked okay. Looking at that or other little thing that I'd done it the right way on, and I just was struck by if I'm if I'm wrong about if I'm wrong about that, and if I'm wrong so often in a, in a literal way, what other peripatetic misconceptions might I be able to comment upon? Because look, I'm not a social anthropologist, but I have a friend who is, and I I, I talk to him, <laughs> and he says, "Hey, Mike, look. I mean, I don't know if you're, you know." if your brain is interested in this sort of thing or not, but do you realize, I mean, you've shot in every state. You've worked in mining, you've worked in fishing, you've worked in steel, you've worked in every major industry, you've, you've had your back shoulder to shoulder with these guys that our politicians are desperate to relate to every four years, right? I can still see Hillary doing the shots awry, dribbling down her chin with the steel workers. I mean, these are the people that I work with every single day. And if you have something to say about their thoughts collectively, it might be time to think about it because, dude, you know, four years. So that's in my head. Testicles are on my chin. Thoughts are bouncing around. And after that shoot, Dirty Jobs really didn't change in terms of what the show is, but it changed for me personally. And now when I talk about the show, I no longer just tell the story you heard and 190 like it. Uh, I do, but I also start to talk about some of the other things I got wrong, some of the other notions of work that I have just been assuming are sacrosanct, and they're not. People with dirty jobs are happier than you think. As a group, they're the happiest people I know. And I don't want to start whistling, look for the union label and all that happy worker crap. I'm just telling you that these are balanced people who do unthinkable work. Roadkill picker-uppers whistle while they work. I swear to God, I did it with them. They've got this amazing sort of symmetry to their life. And I see it over and over and over again. So I started to wonder what would happen if we challenge some of these sacred cows. Follow your passion. We've been talking about it here, you know, for the last 36 hours. Follow your passion. What could possibly be wrong with that? It's probably the worst advice I ever got. You know, you know, follow your dreams and go broke, right? I mean, that's all I heard growing up. I didn't know what to do with my life, but I was told if you follow your passion, it's going to work out. I can give you 30 examples right now. Bob Combs, the pig farmer in Las Vegas, who collects the uneaten scraps of food from the casinos and feeds them to his swine. Why? Because there's so much protein in the stuff we don't eat. His pigs grow at twice the normal speed, and he is one rich pig farmer, and he is good for the environment, and he spends his days doing this incredible service, and he smells like hell, but God bless him. He's making a great living. You ask him, did you follow your passion here? He'd laugh at you. You know, the guy's worth he just got offered like $60 million for his farm and turned it down outside of Vegas. He didn't follow his passion. He stepped back and he watched where everybody was going, and he went the other way, you know? And I hear that story over and over. Matt Freund, a dairy farmer in New Canaan, Connecticut, who woke up one day and realized the crap from his cows was worth more than their milk if he could use it to make these biodegradable flower pots, now he's selling them to Walmart, right? Right? He follow his passion. The guys come on. You know? So I started to look at passion. I started to look at efficiency versus effectiveness, as Tim talked about earlier. That's a huge distinction. Uh, I started to look at teamwork and determination and basically all those platitudes they call successories that hang with that schmaltzy art in boardrooms around the world right now. (laughs) That stuff. It's suddenly all been turned on its head. Safety. Safety first is, I mean, going back to, you know, OSHA and PETA and the Humane Society, I mean, what, what if OSHA got it wrong? I mean, I, this is heresy, what I'm about to say, but what if, what if it's really safety third, right? <laughs> now, I, mean, I mean, really, what I mean to say is I value my safety on these crazy jobs as much as the people that I'm working with, but the ones who really get it done, they're not out there talking about safety first. They know that other things come first. The business of doing the work comes first, the business of getting it done. And you know, I'll never forget, up in the Bering Sea, I was on a crab boat with the Deadliest Catch guys, which I, which I also work on in the first season. We're about 100 miles off the coast of Russia, 50 foot seas, big waves, green water coming over the wheelhouse, right? Most hazardous environment I'd ever seen, and I was back with a guy lashing the pots down. So I'm 40 feet off the deck, Which is like looking down at the top of your shoe, you know, and it's doing this in the ocean. Unspeakably dangerous. I scamper down, I go into the wheelhouse, and I say with some level of, you know, incredulity, Captain, Osha. And he says, Osha, Ocean. And he points out there. And but in that moment, That What he said next can't be repeated in the lower 48. It can't be repeated on any factory floor or any construction site. But he looked at me and he said, son, and he's my age, by the way. He calls me son. I love that. He says, son, I'm the captain of a crab boat. My responsibility is not to get you home alive. My responsibility is to get you home rich. You want to get home alive? That's on you. And for the rest of that day, safety first. I mean, I was like... So, you know, the idea that we create this, this false, this sense of complacency when all we do is talk about somebody else's responsibility as though it's our own and vice versa. Anyhow, a whole lot of things. I could talk at length about the many little distinctions we made and the endless list of ways that I got it wrong. But what it all comes down to is this. I have formed a theory, and I'm going to share it now in my remaining two minutes and 30 seconds. It goes like this. We've declared war on work as a society, all of us. It's a civil war. It's a cold war, really. We didn't, we didn't set out to do it, and we didn't twist our mustache in some Machiavellian way, but we've done it, and we have waged this war on at least four fronts, certainly in Hollywood. The way we portray working people on TV, it's laughable. If there's a plumber, he's 300 pounds and he's got a giant butt crack, admit it. You've seen him all the time. That's what plumbers look like, right? Uh, We turn them into heroes or we turn them into punchlines. That's what TV does. We try hard on dirty jobs not to do that, which is why I do the work and I don't cheat. But we've waged this war on Madison Avenue. I mean, so many of the commercials that come out there in the way of a message... What's really being said? Your life would be better if you could work a little less, if you didn't have to work so hard, if you could get home a little earlier, if you could retire a little faster, if you could punch out a little sooner. It's all all in there over and over again and again. Washington, I can't even begin to talk about the deals and policies in place that affect the bottom line reality of the available jobs because I don't really know. I just know that that's a front in this war. And right here, guys, Silicon Valley. I mean... How many people have an iPhone on them right now? How many people have their Blackberries on We're plugged in. We're connected. I would never suggest for a second that something bad has come out of the tech revolution. Good grief, not to this crowd. <laughs> but I would suggest that innovation without imitation is a complete waste of time. And nobody celebrates imitation the way Dirty Jobs guys No, it has to be done. Your iPhone without those people making the same interface, the same circuitry, the same board over and over, all that, you know, that's what makes it equally as possible is the genius that goes inside of it. So we've got this new toolbox, you know. Our tools today don't look like shovels and picks. They look like the stuff we walk around with. And so the collective effect of all of that has been... This marginalization of lots and lots of jobs. And I realized, you know, probably too late in this game. I hope not, because I don't know if I can do 200 more of these things, but we're going to do as many as we can. And to me, the most important thing to know and to really come face to face with is the fact that I got it wrong about a lot of things, not just the testicles on my chin. I got it, I got a lot wrong. So we're thinking, by we, I mean me, that. That the thing to do is to talk about a PR campaign for work, manual labor, skilled labor. Somebody needs to be out there talking about the forgotten benefits. I'm talking about grandfather stuff, the stuff a lot of us probably grew up with, but we've kind of kind of you know kinda lost a little. Brock wants to create two and a half million jobs. The infrastructure is a huge deal. This war on work that I suppose exists has casualties like any other war. The infrastructure is the first one. Declining trade school enrollments are the second one. Every single year, fewer electricians, fewer carpenters, fewer plumbers, fewer welders, fewer pipe fitters, fewer steam fitters. The infrastructure jobs that everybody is talking about creating are those guys the ones that have been in decline over and over. Meanwhile, we got $2 trillion at a minimum, according to the American Society of Civil Engineers, that we need to expend to even make a dent in the infrastructure, which is currently rated at a D minus. So if I were running for anything, and I'm not, I would simply say that the jobs we hope to make and the jobs we hope to create aren't gonna stick unless they're jobs that people want. And I know the point of this conference is to celebrate the things that are near and dear to us. But I also know that clean and dirty aren't opposites. They're two sides of the same coin, just like innovation and imitation, like risk and responsibility, like peripatia and adagnosis, like that poor little lamb who I hope isn't quivering anymore, (laughs) and like my time that's gone. It's been great talking to you. And uh, get back to work, would you.
19: Flyover
4: Politics podcast
28: with Tony Reel. Move aside and let the
4: man go through. Let the man go through. Move aside and let the man go through.
13: Let the man go through.
15: While the media calls it peaceful, we call it the violent
1: left.
19: I I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the
12: country. Maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state.
6: Show me where it says that protest is supposed to be polite and
28: peaceful.
15: Do something about your dad's immigration practices with that When
28: they go low, he How
0: do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck?
28: The biggest terror
3: threat in this country is white men. Most of them, radicalized, brought Trump to the right.
0: I thought he should have punched him in the face. I said, even if you lost, he insulted Dwight. He came down the escalator and felt Mexicans rapists emerge. He said, well, what do you think I should have done? I said, I think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race. He would have been a hero.
6: I'd like to punch him in the face. I said, if we are in high school, I'd
24: take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him.
0: Punch some
24: people in the face! When was the last time an actor assassinated a president?
4: They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump, and that's a fact. (laughs)
17: Country is white Most of them radicalized that right to the right.
6: All punches are not equal, morally. And please show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful.
20: I don't
29: Mayor Fisher's executive order outlines a number of issues where he believes racial inequity exists here in Louisville, but activists say there's one problem he's still not addressing.
24: We can't change America by ourselves, but we can show America how a city can change itself.
29: Mayor Greg Fisher responded to calls for racial equity with an executive order Tuesday, declaring racism a public health crisis in Louisville. For
24: too many Louisvillians, racism is a fact of daily life a fact that was created and documented in our country's laws and institutional policies like segregation, redlining, and urban renewal.
29: The announcement comes after months of protests over the death of Breonna Taylor and racial inequities stemming from years of discriminatory government policies.
24: Advancing racial equity in our city strengthens our workforce, improves our tax base, and increases the spending power of our residents.
29: The order lays out plans to address seven main issues, public safety, children, black employment and wealth, housing and investment, health, and voting.
13: As a mayor, this should have been addressed. I'm glad that it's being addressed now.
29: Shamika Parrish-Wright, who runs the bail project and has been active in demonstrations, says the mayor's order makes her feel heard, but she wants to see his words turn into action.
13: a woman like me that's been black and single and a mom, I've always lived these issues, but I think more people are paying attention and and understanding that our city government won't necessarily do everything right if we don't get behind them, if we don't push them.
29: She also believes it's impossible to fix racial injustice in Louisville, while the officers involved in Taylor's death are still on the city's payroll.
13: To me, a really good start of, of letting your city know that you're ready to heal is by firing those officers because the community does not feel supported. They 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 don't trust them and that how can we move forward if we don't deal with that first?
29: Denny Camper, WLKY News. He acknowledged the significant impact Black American voters had on
15: his and Vice President-elect uh, Kamala Harris's historic win. He recognized that and he said, you've always had my back and I'll right. have yours. In your view, how do you think he can best do that? We've heard about his Lift Every Voice plan for Black America, right. but how does he bridge this divide? How does he make it better for Black Americans?
11: Yes, that's a great point. First of all, when have you heard a president say that? What president in American history has explicitly articulated his debt? What he owes to African American people because he recognizes we had his back, now he has ours. That's beautiful. First of all, not being Donald Trump is a huge start. Number two, to try to forge connections between disparate groups. We know that he has a reputation for reaching across the aisle, that's good, but he's gotta reach over, as he has already done, to progressive forces within the Democratic Party. And then also, he's gotta talk about what are the issues that particularly plague African-American communities. We know that criminal justice reform is a necessity. We know that dealing with the disproportionate impact of this COVID virus upon black and brown bodies is serious. We know that educational disparities in this country are huge, and we know the gulf between the have-gots and the have-nots. Home ownership, because the bleed-off, the greatest bleed-off of black wealth ever happened during the housing bubble that burst on black Americans. So when you address those issues, along with police brutality we are living in a nation where if you hold your hands up you get shot if you put them down you get shot if you agree with the police you get shot if you don't agree with the police you get shot the fact is it's not what we do it's who we are that seems to exacerbate tensions between law enforcement and african-american communities and we have to address that I know some people have been outraged by the use of uh, abolish the police guess what in the 1850s Many white Americans were against abolishing slavery, so that the very word abolition has caused some people problems. It has been a long-standing tradition. Okay. Good evening. Good evening, Miss
29: Johnson. You, your name is Jesse Jacob. Je- Jesse Jacobs. Is that your birth name?
20: Okay, my first name is Jesse. When I was married, my husband's last name is Jacob. When I got married in 1983, 37 years ago, I had my maiden name, that's my dad's house name. It's a long name. Can
13: you spell it, please?
20: K-I-K like kite,
2: Representative, uh, what is your question, please? I'm asking the question. Well, please ask. She gave a lot of information. I, I just want to know who and, she is. And, uh, representative, please, it's it's reasonable to ask the name of the person. Yes. I'm with you there. But now that you know it. What's your first, what was your first
13: name? What?
20: Jesse. Jesse. J- Not
13: e. J e s s y. Thank you very much. Okay, now please move on to your question,
2: Representative. That's
13: it
8: you have to have one thank you uh representative
30: talked about uh, ballots being double counted who said that for affidavit dates back to november 3rd um you opened your statement you you made in your opening statement you referenced 700,000 fraudulent ballots in detroit which is probably yeah we're not even going
4: to be close to three hours sorry about that so that was of course the louisville mayor and i just got to throw it out there when you bob your head, let them start taking control of everything. When you bob your head, let them lie and say the drivers are white supremacists running over protesters, but they're actually black people. Trying to get to work being attacked by other black people in Louisville and the NPR runs with it and then changes it back to Charlottesville. Now we're going to use executive orders to uh, do whatever we want for other businesses. Yeah. That's what we're going to do, because we're Democrats. You gave us power, and now we're going to be fascist. So Obama decided to piss off everybody by saying pretty much defund the police is a really bad idea. I could play that soundbite like everybody else did. I'm going to play Heather McDonald.
10: The city of Seattle, one of the nicest places in our country, is being destroyed by the people who run it. Seattle marked its 55th murder of the year yesterday. That set a new 10-year record. But that hasn't stopped the mayor of Seattle, Jenny Durkin, from supporting a new city budget that will reduce the budget for the police department by nearly 20%. Hard to believe that. Meanwhile, in San Jose, California, officials have learned that an illegal alien who allegedly went on a deadly stabbing spree at a local church have been deported three times in recent years and apparently came back to stab people. In a lot of places in this country, the violence is completely out of control. It's crushingly sad, and it's causing massive demographic changes in this country. People are fleeing. We've got to stop this. How can we do that? Heather McDonald is a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, author of the book The War on Cops. We're happy to have her always, and especially tonight. Heather, thanks for coming on. Mm -hmm. What do we do about this?
15: Well, we changed the narrative. Uh, what we're seeing with these, we're going to see the biggest one year increase in homicides and shootings in this country, Tucker, in decades. And that's a predictable result of a fatal lie, which holds that policing is systemically racist. Joe Biden embraced that lie during his campaign. He's embraced it after the election and it will become the touchstone of his Justice Department. It is completely untrue uh... the problem in this country is criminals not cops cops are the solution but as long as you go about telling cops incessantly as we heard in seattle as we've heard in louisville uh... in chicago new york you name it that cops are racist for going after criminals they are going to back off cops in this country are demoralized they're defunded they're being assaulted on a daily basis and when cops back off of policing You don't get some Pacific nirvana, some post-racial nirvana. You get anarchy and chaos. Last month in November, there was a five-year-old boy in Chicago who was shot in the head in his home by a thug who drove by and just sprayed bullets willy-nilly at the house. You had a cop last week who was dragged after a car stop, fracturing his skull in in three places. This is not going to stop, Tucker, Unless more people stand up and say, the cops are not the problem, they're they're the solution.
10: It seems like any politician who is awake, and not a guilty white liberal, as so many of them are in both parties, would understand that people of all colors and backgrounds support order and hate violence. So why aren't there more politicians rushing forward to take advantage of this opportunity?
15: it's completely bizarre it it turns out that ideology trumps common sense and it trumps in for a very long time people's own sense of, of comfort and and their own desires because a lot of these politicians who have been demonizing the cops have been reelected because people would rather embrace the idea that they are alone in fighting racism it makes them feel virtuous and frankly the other reason tucker is the vast majority of crime is happening in inner city neighborhoods. It's the class divide that you talked about before. It's also a race divide. This isn't going to change until white kids start getting shot in their homes at night.
10: Yeah, it's really a sick religion. It's all over the Anglo world, too. It's not just the United States. There's something really dark going on. Heather McDonald, I appreciate your coming on tonight. Thank you. That's what defunds getting us. Matt
4: Yenglazi takes radical lefty heat for criticizing to fund the the police as a bad idea. The squad lost their fucking shit on Obama over it and we're all pissed off. But you know what? They want it. They all want this shit. And you know what they're getting for getting us all this shit and the summer of love? Car jacking's up 537% amid Minneapolis City Council plans to further defund the police. Frustrated Portland business leaders launch group to revive downtown fault politicians for inaction because, oh yeah, they're still rioting up there.
1: Blocking. You need to
30: move on the way or something to arrest.
4: Yeah, meaning ignoring. Ex Washington State Democrat campaigner among two charged over terrorist attack. Do you think of his Republican we'd have that? Yeah. Daily Beast calls for humiliation and incarceration for Trump supporters. A new call for it. Chris Evans and Zach Braff want a list of Trump enablers. Yeah. That's okay. Nobody seems to fucking care. They don't They don't care. And as we're going through all this COVID and all the fascism that entails in it, if you followed this show, and for those who are new, the violent left is the riots, but it's also all the brainwashing and bullshit that's going on that makes people go out in the street and burn shit down. All the intersectionality bingo shit. Here's a private business being told they have to take down a video of scripture being broadcast inside their own business.
23: Police have told the owner of a Christian cafe in Blackpool to stop displaying Bible verses on a TV screen because it's offensive and a crime. Jamie Murray says he was shocked when officers from Lancashire Police visited his cafe last Monday and ordered him to stop displaying the Bible texts,
25: just uh, felt like a bit of an interrogation. They uh, told me I was in breach of section five uh, of a public order offence by um, displaying material that could be deemed offensive um, to somebody, insulting or offensive. It, it disturbs me actually that we are approaching a state where people can be Um, spoken to by the police uh, possibly arrested and who knows what else just for uh, displaying the Bible in public what's next people coming police going into churches and saying you can't say this or that
23: the cafe is called salt and light a quote from Jesus sermon on the mount Christian leaflets are available in the cafe which also has links with the local church Mr. Murray plays this set of DVDs on a TV screen with the volume turned down. It's a narration of the whole of the New Testament, with the text of the Bible appearing on the screen. But the police said a customer had complained that the Bible verses were homophobic. The officers told Mr. Murray that the Bible video breaches Section 5 of the Public Order Act. Mr Murray is getting support from the Christian Institute, a national organisation that defends the religious liberty of Christians. We're looking into what's happened to Mr Murray. The police may well have acted unlawfully, in which case there could be grounds for illegal action against them. But Christians need to be assured that reading the Bible publicly or displaying the Bible publicly is not of itself a criminal offence.
4: That doesn't seem like it's against the law to do that, is there? I mean, does anybody think that's normal? I mean, what the fucking fuck? Rashida Talib promotes slogan associated with calling for the elimination of Israel, but Peter Beinhart defends Talib. Stop anti Rashida Tlaib retreats out the message that got Mark Lamont-Hill canned from CNN. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Code for eradicating the state of Israel and millions of Jews. Reminder, this is sitting U.S. Congressman Peter Beinbart. Talib supports one state where Jews plus Palestinians live equally under the same law. Why is that less moral than the current one state where millions of Palestinians lack citizenship due to process, free movement, and the right to vote for the government that controls their lives? Everybody just mocked him. But they'll defend anything. Ilyan Omar, cancel rent! Yeah, that's not going to have people getting violent or anything. AOC, which every conservative has pulled out. Thanks. Pre-order. Student debt. Drink water, not racism. Tax the rich. The Green New Deal with her being all, like, patriotic and shit. As always, made in the U.S. with dignified union jobs, paying living wages. And somebody did my favorite reply to this. Get the fuck out of here, I chart." That's so funny. Cindy Browncoat, capitalism is great and claim you're against it all the time and then make money off it from your adoring fans. So now she admits she likes capitalism? AOC's polyester, nylon, and polyblend merchandise is made from petrochemical products. <laughs> Thanks for su- supporting the petroleum industry and voting for Marxist Democratic politicians who will end your Trump tax cuts while they live in luxury and sell you things. Nothing says I fight for the little guy like charging $65 for a sweatshirt. Her. Republicans are freaking out because we don't use slave wage label for merch that funds grassroots organizing. But what's the difference between Trump merch and ours? Ours is made in the U.S. And for GOPO joke that we, we should give free. We actually do just volunteer. And then she ends it with an O. Oh, and again, tax the rich. Somebody's replied, Don't worry, the Chinese knockoffs of your merch will be hitting the market soon and sweatshirts won't cost fifty-eight. Just volunteer means I allow socialists to exploit my labor and I got a lousy t-shirt. The entire world dogged them. Or dogged her. But they're idiots that'll pay $65 for a sweatshirt of her looking out at the land. Because she's been fear-mongering about climate change. And little kids think they're going to die now. U.S. women's soccer team don BLM shirts and kneel for the national anthem. Once again, that's a story. Not the two brave girls that stand up. And don't. And put their hands over their heart. What's the gay people doing? What's the gay people doing? What's the LGBT websites doing? Because we haven't done our gay shit in a long time. Uh, This is the advocate. What happens in Georgia will affect LGBTQ plus Americans forever. How? Is there a bill about the Senate that's going to say you can't be gay? Then you got Andy Sandberg. Fuck off if you don't like diversity. Networks What we need this year is an LGBTQ plus musical film. It's coming, you know. Biological females now to be referred to as vulva owners. Jesse Sigal, the phrase I'm going to, to go join ISIS now, get thrown around a lot these days. Hey, vulva owners, your sexual peak may last longer than you think. And then you got in Britain, Daily Mail, Breastfeeding charity sparks outrage by allowing men who identify as female to attend a meeting for mothers struggling to feed their babies. That's just all sorts of wrong. I could go into Big Sky this week. I already did the unicorn. There's a million. I'll just say this. Chicago man stabbed to death after calling man out for sticking hands and Thanksgiving leftovers. But that didn't make the news. Nobody seemed to think that was pretty bad. I will follow up on do the right thing. By just saying do the right thing, incite to riot. Director Spike Lee takes a provocative look at race relations to close out the thought of last week as I was going off about the Goldbergs doing a racist show. That spiked riots. So maybe that's something we don't need to talk about. And then we go into white privilege, because here's Christopher Arufo again. The teachers are told they're not part of oppressive white, they are part of oppressive white power structure. The trainers claim that white people in America hold most of the power, and that white teachers have an ability to thrive that is being preserved at every level of, of power slide white privilege and culture it is a revamp of what we had before from 2016 to 17 this is what they're putting out and all teachers must attend Ten richest American, 100% white. U.S. Congress, 90% white. U.S. Governors, 96% white. Top Military Advisors, 100% white. President and Vice President, 100% white. U.S. House Freedom Caucus, 99% white. U.S. Presidential Cabinet, 91% white. Teachers, 82% white. Full-time college professors, 84% white. People who decide which TV shows we see, 93% white. Which books we read, 90% white. When news is covered, 85% white. Which music is produced, 95% white. Directing top 100 grossing films, 95% percent white these are the same people that say straight black men are the white people of black people yeah yeah that's a that's that's the same group it's just like glad they're just taking off from where glad was glad literally counted everything and now so are these everybody's racist white fragility people and it all leads to violence Lastly, before we go, this is American, I know I jammed this I jammed this really quick. I jammed it, but we're out of time. San Francisco bans tobacco smoking in your apartment, but you can still smoke weed. These are the people that we believe should be in charge of the country, and eighty million people voted for that. Oh, and also mass Nazis.
21: Put your me. fucking mask on. I'm sorry, you can walk away from me right now, sir.
14: Put your mask on.
21: Get away from Put me, Put it please. on.
14: Does it bother anybody else that she doesn't have to wear a mask that
0: we all do? Just go away. Stay six feet away from me, then. No. Get away from me. No. no. You
1: need me to call yeah, please I, get away I, from I'm me to... right now. No. You don't, know why. you don't need to come near me. She has it on her damn hand. Get away from
21: me. Walk away from me, sir. Please get away from me.
8: You don't care. Leave me alone. She put, she, she's six feet away my from me then. Her. Her. God, get out of here. I know who
21: you
30: voted
21: for.
4: Best part of that video is his mask is below his nose before he starts that. And then lastly, before we segue out to this is America and I got some good shit today. BBC Studio announces 20% diversity quotas in all future productions. The more they try to push this, the more violence we'll have. And it's a good way to segue out of violence into This Is America with a soundbite of somebody being arrested because they took a BLM flag down off the state capitol grounds. Remember that the next time you see a video of somebody with the Trump flag being punched in the face repeatedly and no charges being rendered. We're starting the Prague laws and everybody else
16: and
30: some of the things anything
1: that I see is
30: wrong
1: do you start?
13: You were told to answer. enter you that is the call and you're speaking get a second of two yeah. This is America Don't got you slipping up no. Don't got you slipping up no. Look what I'm whipping up no. This is America
15: it's time for the worst
17: soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story
23: and says,
16: "This is America in 2019." Yeah, this
8: is America.
13: my area.
0: I got the It's cheating, and Chris Krebs explained this on 60 Minutes last night someone who aspired for securing our election and not allowing fraud. But c- can you explain what that collision of reality, the reality is there was no fraud. There are no ongoing appeals. Republicans are saying gobbledygook. None of that is real. It's just a man who cannot come to grips with the fact that he lost decisively.
28: Well, one thing that I, was a surprise to me was that there is actually a line, apparently, that can be crossed. Uh, in terms of the level of conspiracy theory. So, you know, it, it, it's OK for uh, Rudy Giuliani to say, you know, th- there's mass fraud everywhere, et cetera, et cetera. But apparently the line, you know, uh, which that cannot be crossed, is to say that, oh, actually, this is an international conspiracy involving Hugo Chavez, uh, Venezuelan front companies, the CIA, bribes to Republican elected officials to throw elections to communists. That was apparently a bridge too far, uh, for President Trump. And they, and they sort of pushed Sidney Powell off to the side. But everything else is, I- in his mind, acceptable. I have no way of knowing what he truly believes. I can tell you he is privately saying uh, no different in terms of saying the fraud. It's, it's fraud. I won. It was stolen. I haven't you know, I've been talking to people ever since the election who are in conversations with him in in his inner circle, and I'm yet to identify a single conversation in which he said, Oh, actually I think I legitimately lost. He to my knowledge has never said that privately
0: Michael Steele, this matters and and I am as Interested in moving on from Donald Trump as anybody. But when you read the story in The Washington Post, and I think we all know this anecdotally in our own lives, Trump has convinced his voters of the most dangerous lie yet. It was dangerous when Donald Trump told everyone that reporters like Jonathan and Yamiche are the enemies of the people. It was dangerous when Donald Trump told people he believed Vladimir Putin over the American intelligence agencies. It was dangerous when he tweeted threats against Rod Rosenstein and Jim Comey and Andy McCabe and Andy McCabe's wife. It is always dangerous when he lies to his voters, but it is creating an unprecedented and perhaps unsustainable instability to make his supporters, to make half of this country doubt the validity of Joe Biden's victory.
31: Nicole, I, the way you led into this conversation was so expertly done and, and, and touched on a number of chords uh, that resonated in the question. Um, and I think we have to step back a moment and say that Donald Trump didn't have to do a lot of convincing here. Donald Trump didn't have to do a lot of lying to the Amer- to these, to his supporters. He picked a scab in which they already believed a lot of this. It was beneath the surface. It has been there for a long time. This, this, uh, this overwhelming sense of mistrust of our institutions, um, and, and our executive and, uh, political leadership. Um, it's been there. Uh, we've seen it, it manifest itself during my watch at the RNC. It was in place during the Bush years. It goes back to to New Gingrich's uprising uh, in the House of Representatives back in 1994 and, and even before that. So what Donald Trump was able to do was to give it legitimacy, to give it voice, to give it actual voice in the body of the president, um, in the body of the presidency. And I think we have to understand that um, this is so, so much less the work of the Mad King than the Mad King actually reflecting uh, his mad people. And I, by that, I mean angry, frustrated, um, mm-hmm. suffering victimhood and all of that. So, um, I, I you know, there's a lot that we want to put in Donald Trump's uh, doorstep and deservedly so. But I think we also have to contextualize where a lot of that originated from. And then not with him, but what makes what he's done so bad is that he is the president. And most presidents, all presidents up to him, understood that this was there, but still guided the country away from that, did not give in to those those feelings and tried to address them in other ways. Um, this this president said to hell with that. Um, we're all in on it. Uh, And here we are, 70-plus million votes later.
0: Michael Steele, I understand the how. What I don't understand is the why, because this isn't just, you know, an anti-elite worldview, stick it to the mainstream media. They're out to get us. This is a lie. It is a lie. And I don't understand why Roy Blunt goes along with the lie. I don't understand why Asa Hutchinson says, ah, we've got to let this play out. There's nothing to play out. Judges appointed by Democratic and Republican right. presidents have thrown every lawsuit out. Kelly Leffler said that we have to let the inve- investigation finish. There is no investigation. There was no fraud, no widespread fraud, no foreign conspiracy. There was no fraud. The recounts have turned up votes that... Are by and large exactly in line with the vote on election day. So what I understand the how, and I understand that long-standing institutional distrust. I don't understand the why. Why are Republicans willing to sell their soul for a big lie?
31: Because they're they're afraid of the the realities of it. They're afraid of the very people that they have sold this lie to. This goes back. Look, you have broken promises. These are folks, and I've had these conversations where they've said, you know, you guys lied to us about about overturning Roe versus Wade. You lied to us about, you know, uh, unfettered spending and, and that you wouldn't engage in that, and on all of these things. Now, albeit Donald Trump is, take you know, had a share in a lot of that. But here's the rub for those individuals you name, those elected officials. They're afraid of those people behind Donald Trump with their pitchforks. That's what that's what that's why mm-hmm. they do what they do. Um, that's how they perpetuate the lie um, instead of coming out and, and speaking to the why. And here's the example of it. Georgia. So the lie. Yeah. And the conceit has been, oh, you know, vote by mail is bad. And they all bought into that. Right? Why? Because they thought it would serve a particular narrative that would leave them unscathed. But now they need those very voters to vote by mail, <laughs> and they don't believe them, and that's the problem.
0: Yamiche, uh, Georgia is um, going to bring all of this into sharp relief.
2: Hey, guys, um, just wanted to just uh, speak for a second about some comments that I made earlier tonight on our college football uh, ranking show, made, made some comments about Michigan, about the potential of them waving a white flag and, and intentionally trying to avoid playing Ohio State by just saying, hey, we have too many cases and, and we're going to opt out. Um, I had no business at all saying that. I have no evidence of that. It was completely unfair to the University of Michigan, uh, to Jim Harbaugh, to his players and coaches, and I just wanted to apologize. I think, if anything, um I think we all go through some ups and downs, many downs for a lot of people during this COVID crisis that we're all in. And for me, um, in college football, I really struggle with where we are. Uh, players opting out, teams canceling games. Uh, it just seems like it's a downward spiral. And, and I, I think typically I try to remain positive and upbeat. And I think sometimes we all have our breaking points. I think right now at week 14 with – so much negativity surrounding the sport, I think that's that's sometimes a pressure point for me again, I did not mean to insinuate I have no evidence at all that- michigan right now they're they're trying to to do the best they can of of uh trying to cover um and and contain a virus from spreading on that roster. I wish them all the best hope they can play Saturday against Maryland hope they can play against ohio state um so again i I misspoke i'm apologizing um I think I was more just trying to say this is happening around the country. Uh, we're, we're seeing that. Uh, but it was un, completely uncalled for to say that Michigan was potentially doing that. I, I have absolutely no evidence of that. So, uh, to Michigan, to their fans, to, especially to Jim Harbaugh and to those players, I uh, hope you, I hope everybody's okay regarding the COVID. And, um, I hope, again, I hope they're able to play and, and get their last two games in and and wish them all the best. I I got a 25-year track record of not being a guy that pokes at Michigan, even though I'm an Ohio State guy. And um, I take a lot of pride in being fair. And I was not fair tonight, and I apologize.
4: So if I didn't have Veritas, I would have been my normal time today. Sorry, folks. It's hard to jam this much stuff in there. So that, of course, was Miss Nicole Wallace, who used to be a Republican, but now she's... A super-duper-lib piece of shit. And I I think they literally just... It, it's virtue signaling. It's a new virtue signaling. How can I come up with the most creative way to dog people that don't think like me? But maybe she's pretty vapid. Maybe she doesn't come up with this stuff. Somebody else could be feeding it to her. I mean, let's be honest. She was a Republican and contractually obligated to be a Democrat now. Other This Is America stuff. High school teacher allegedly naked and masturbating during video conference. So they tubined. Biden appointee Heather Bushley criticized by former employee for leading toxic workplace. What is it about every one of his people? It's almost like the fraud. They keep saying the most qualified, these people are so sane, what a great change, they are so good, and then you literally look at it and go, yeah, no, no they're not. They're they're not these great people. They're no different than any other freaking cabinet we've ever had. There's a lot of fucking dirt that you just don't want to talk about, so the media doesn't, and they just project. We're going to do good shit today because I got a couple stories, and a couple soundbites. So, even if it's going to take us over that magical three hours, here is Nick Searcy, who once again was the boss and justified. I love this guy taking an illegal walk. And McCainy slamming the fuck out of the media, followed by the soundbite for a movie that my wife wanted to watch. So he did. And it was really good the plot against the president.
30: Hello everyone, Luke Cersei here, and I'm out in Los Angeles having an illegal walk. People are peering out their windows at me, and they're going, there's a guy out there walking down the street, and he doesn't have a mask on. We're all going to die, but you know what, I don't care. Because I'm a rebel, I'm a rebel and I'm a doer, not a thinker, I'm a doer. I like to go out and do things and Gavin Newsom and Garcetti and all these other stupid Democrats are not going to stop me. I'm going to go out for a walk every day and I'm going to pull my mask down. And I'm going to walk around in the fresh air without a mask on. That's what can evil would do. I'm a daredevil. Try and stop me, Garcetti. And the only reason I'm walking today is because he canceled golf. He said that foursomes have to all come from the same household in order to get a tea time. At a municipal golf course. They, that's, they just completely canceled the entire reason for golf. You don't go play golf so you can take everybody in your household. You go play golf so you can get out of your household. This is the dumbest time in American history. Go for a walk today.
21: The United States Constitution matters even during a pandemic. While Democrat politicians seek to impose draconian restrictions against their citizens, this past week the Supreme Court of the United States had their say on New York State's capacity restrictions, which restricted the number of attendees allowed in places of worship but not other governments deemed essential businesses. Justice Gorsuch, in the ruling, said this as he rolled back Governor Cuomo's restrictions on places of worship. He said, quote, it is time, past time, to make plain that while the pandemic poses many grave challenges, there is no world in which the Constitution tolerates color-coded executive edicts that reopen liquor stores and bike shops, but shutter churches, synagogues, and mosques. Behind me, you will see displayed images of Democrat hypocrisy playing on loop. These images depict the following. They show Governor Gavin Newsom of California dining both maskless and indoors at the fancy French laundry restaurant despite severe lockdown restrictions against indoor dining for the very people he governs. You'll see Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot celebrating in the non-socially-distant streets of her city. You will see Speaker Nancy Pelosi indoors at a hair salon in San Francisco when salons in California were only open for outdoor services. And you will see CNN's Chris Cuomo staging his emergence from quarantine in a made-for-television moment. Coming out of the basement, and this was after uh, Cuomo was spotted breaking his brother, Governor Cuomo's, quarantine rules to go for a bike ride in the Hamptons. Also notable is San Francisco Mayor London Breed, who followed Governor Newsom's lead in dining at the French Laundry with a group of eight people. And finally, Los Angeles County Supervisor Sheila Kuehl dining outdoors at her favorite Santa Monica restaurant after voting to ban outdoor dining at 31,000 restaurants throughout LA, calling outdoor dining a most dangerous situation. Quite clearly, these Democrats do not follow their own edicts, Uh, they act in a way that their own citizens are barred from acting. Governor Cuomo's decision to impose restrictions on the size of religious gatherings was rebuked by the highest court in the land. But what was Cuomo's response? Instead of showing deference to the Constitution, he attacked the legitimacy of the court. Governor Cuomo said this, "'You have a different court, and I think that was the statement that the court was making. We know who he appointed to the court. We know their ideology.'" Well, in fact, the ideology of those on the Supreme Court who made the decision to support uh, the First Amendment are in favor of freedom, the Constitution that survives even during a pandemic. This statement from Governor Cuomo strikes at the heart of the issue. Democrats seek control. These images behind me make clear Democrats' mindset. Rules for thee, but not for me. The President stands with you, your freedom, your ability to decide how to best protect your health. We all know how to protect ourselves from COVID-19, wash your hands, socially distance, wear a mask. But as one federal court put it, there is no pandemic exception to the Constitution. And with that, I'll take questions.
14: But you can make a whole
21: movie
16: on the Russiagate hoax. It's all documented.
5: There was an illusion being created, using the most awesome tools and the greatest tricks that the American intelligence community had learned to use against our enemies. Now it was being deployed against the American people and our president.
31: This is the biggest political scandal in modern history, which makes Watergate look like a a tiff.
13: The FBI director has no credibility.
14: The left used to not trust the FBI, and now they love them. This can happen to General Michael T. Flynn. Imagine what they do to anybody who has a single strike against them. 35 Russian
11: diplomats in the U.S. expelled. The prosecution of General Flynn wasn't a pursuit of criminal activity. It was a setup.
16: Flynn actually had details. So he was talking about going after people's budgets. They were terrified.
23: Media didn't start as neutral. Media hasn't been neutral all its life. The two faces
14: of Hillary Clinton are coming out. The fact through WikiLeaks that she says one thing,
30: uh, and...
17: Oh, no. They worked hand-in-glove with Comey to try to delegitimize Trump. They were not there to tell the truth.
5: A political dirty trick is being carried out by our intelligence community.
18: Honestly, none of us really know, sort
7: of holistically, what to think about this dossier.
17: They went into Congress. They said, there's nothing
14: here. Doesn't matter. We'll keep going with FISA, we'll keep going with the investigation, and more importantly, we will go on TV, day in and day out, and lie to the American people to
17: their face, and nothing's going to happen to us.
11: The nation and all of our freedoms hang by a thread, and the military apparatus of this country is about to be handed over to scum, or beholden to scum, Russian scum.
7: We had not one person claim that they had or had seen evidence of Trump colluding with the Russians.
23: Devin Nunes was the hero in the forest. He was alone, he was mocked, he was attacked. Devin Nunes was subject to such scorn for saying
14: the
17: conclusions that we brought forth in that report, which all proved to be true.
14: Russiagate was a false story. To target their political opposition. To carry out their insurance policies. I believe that this is a conspiracy. These guys have perpetrated the greatest crime against the American people ever seen.
6: It was a coup d'etat. This is how sick and twisted these
13: people
14: are. I recently confirmed that on numerous occasions, the intelligence community incidentally collected information about U.S. Citizens involved in the Trump
13: transition. It was shocking
16: to see some of the overclassification that was done to hide either corruption or abuse of authority and just to make sure certain agencies didn't look bad.
14: We have a peaceful transition of power process. That's not what happened. There were more meetings, there were more leaks, there were more attacks. The thing that they were investigating the Trump campaign for is what they themselves were doing. Not just the Democratic Party and their operatives, but also the FBI. I were writing about the time frame that we lived in and
28: that we're living in now. I would say it wasn't supposed to
16: happen. They weren't supposed to know. The entire time this was going on, they thought this was going to be what sunk the Donald Trump presidency. And they were just looking for the golden goose. And they still haven't found it because it doesn't exist.
4: You know, I was so excited to do good shit, because I've been blowing it off for the last couple podcasts, that I forgot to talk about Kirk Herbstreet, which is the second part of This Is America. And I don't like Kirk Herbstreet, I don't like ESPN, period, because they're liberal trash, but I specifically don't like Game Day, because Game Day has become a big, old Big Ten SEC homer show that shows zero respect for my... Mighty Ducks, which they don't deserve it because they lost Oregon State last week. And I've criticized the shit out of him for bias. But I got about, I think, 20, 30 likes from, we got to stop this. We apologize for saying apologies. Everybody's not a victim. Life is tough. Put on a fucking helmet. We have just trained a whole world of children to believe their deserved apologies and you know back massages because life's rough. No. No, you don't. You can't get offended over talking about football. The reality is Michigan sucks. Big moose cock. And he'd have no problem saying that if it was the ducks who used to go three and nine every year. He didn't apologize to the Ducks or anything else, but this is that part of the country where we're touchy-feely and we feel sorry for ourselves. Suck it up. Our other good shit. um, NFL stupidity continues. They're at a 10-year low. People still aren't watching it. And that's got to be hitting their bottom line. And lastly, liberal media panicking over conservatives' exodus to parlor. There have been Yahoo News story, ultimate radicalization nightmare scenario. Extremist expert and Middlebury Institute researcher Alex Newhouse panicked that parlor has become a haven for far-right extremists and conspiracy theorists. How did they get away with writing that shit? That's what's wrong with the world right now. That's why we have violence. You can say that, and it's okay, and it's a total lie. Been on Parler. There's not a bunch of white supremacists. I have an account. I just don't talk about it on the show. I post over there hoping new people will listen to the podcast, but it's hard to use, and i got to be quite honest, I don't like the feed. My wife has one, but... To say every time a conservative goes to a different source, you're following Joy Reid, who came up with alt-right, who was a fucking transphobe homophobe, but that's okay. And she penned this stuff and they just keep doing it. The Atlantic lamented that Parler has become a platform where conspiracy mongering has grown only more frenzied as Trump makes state-by-state fraud allegations. Uh, let's let's talk about this for a second. You guys said he was a Russian agent for four years. Ultimate conspiracy. Washington Post mockers use a parlor. We're still relying on anti-conservative blog tech pro- big tech platforms to reach their audience. New York Times. Uh, Andrew Sorkin, November 17, discussion of the New York Times virtual dead summit, which included a discussion with. Uh, Microsoft founder and CEO Bill Gates. So you're not taking a mainstream thing that's part of how a family stays in touch and has used it for a variety of things. You're literally going over to, hey, what's the craziest thing that anybody's saying? CNN, Bridget Barrett, disgusted by the fact that conservatives have a safe haven online. She joined CNN in an interview November 15 and suggested that parlour would enable the spread of hate, false information, terrorists, both foreign and domestic, could recruit there. It's a harm to our democracy. Really? CNN, you're going to say that? You're a harm to democracy. And we heard it in our Project Veritas. So, to wrap up this podcast in a nutshell, Project Veritas confirmed what we all knew. That CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, and PBS purposely framed the news to benefit Democrats. We also learned today, boys and girls, since I'm doing the math fully, that while I'm down in the van by the river, Democrats, when they stop the vote, stole an election. They had suitcases and photocopped and semi-trucks ready to deliver ballots that have now mysteriously disappeared. And all the while, every intersectionality group they can find is still fear-mongering when they know they've already stolen the runoff which is my last comment in a overtime podcast. Seen a lot of stupid shit online. I've even seen a conservative get charged with voter fraud for going down there and registering. Knowing Stacey Abrams has already registered a bunch of Democrats that are not residents and that we just heard Georgia talk about 100,000 motherfuckers that weren't supposed to be voting. They're not going to get charged. Because we have two separate rules and laws and everything else. But a lot of people are like, well, they haven't earned my vote. Here's a simple thing. If Democrats get the fucking Senate, we'll never have a free country again. They will jerry-rig every possible part of our country so that Democrats won't have to steal the election. They'll just win it simultaneously defunding the police and taking away your gun. So if you live in Georgia and you listen to the show, and I have listens, you got to vote. I don't care if Loftner is a dude. Vote. One of those seats has to stay Republican, and I'm not being a Democrat or a hypocrite right now by saying this, or else we truly do lose America. It's not their fear-mongering that all the LGBTs are going to be rounded up and put in camps. There's a good possibility we'll get put in camps. I mean, these people are talking about camps. i raise my voice. They literally believe that you need to be re-educated. And if the last year of them beating, burning, suppressing, censoring opposing thoughts hasn't convinced you that if they get in charge, it's going to be mainlined. You need to put down the toilet bowl cleaner. Georgia has to get one of those people elected. I don't give a fuck which one. They have to win so that it's 51 Republicans. And then in 2022, as an independent, we have to vote as many goddamn Democrats out as we can and get some fresh blood in the GOP. And then in 2024, I don't give a flying fuck who the Republicans put up. I am going to be like a Democrat. I will vote for a fucking Chia Pet with an R behind its name. Because they stole a fucking election their conduct was beyond anything we've ever seen for four years and the worst part about it is they got rewarded for beating burning looting and calling everybody a nazi if you don't believe the election was stolen For those that believe the election was stolen, on top of all that, they stole an election. Those are horrible people. They need to go away. Now, I didn't cover the PATP movie. If you're still fuzzy on how Russia went down, my wife loved this. She's the one that wanted to watch it. And it lays the frick out how they installed the theory, used the government... And trying to destroy a presidency. Whether you like Trump, which I don't, or not, what they did was so criminal on every level, including the FBI, CIA, the 17 intelligence agencies, everybody was on board because a normal person won somebody they didn't want. If that isn't scary, I don't know what is. Because eventually we have to break out of Republican Democrat and have just a normal person become our president to break up the partisan division and destroy the media's narrative. Sadly, Lindsey Graham and all them will still fucking be against him. But, you know, the fact is, we need that. And that's why it bothers me. It's not Trump, it's the fact that it hurts the chance of normal people, non- establishment people really getting in there and changing things. You know, Obama ran on, I'm going to be different. I'm going to change it. It's not a red America. It's not a beautiful, blue America. Well, everybody knew that was bullshit. And now a lot of people believe they stole the election then probably did. But the fact of the matter was he was establishment because he just went up there and did the same thing. Everybody always does take care of wall street, take care of the big business tech, all that shit. And he just kept on moving on. Didn't change a fucking thing. So, somehow, we have to change this. And what they did, it's bad. So, watch the movie, and you'll see it. So, this wraps up another episode of Flavor Politics Podcast. I excuse the jamming. It was too much info. I should have downsized and... Done two shows but I didn't. Please feel free to share with your family and friends. Send comments to F L Y O V E R P O L I T I K at Outlook.com. Flyover Politic at Outlook.com. Once again we got rid of Gmail because Google suppressed an election. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Attic, Tuna Radio iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, down and Pocket Cast. Remember, check out the Twitter account of FOP Tony Reid. Our next show is going to be 12 4, 20. From here to then, make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeah. Spend some time with your family. Deck the halls with Bows Holly, And tune back in Wednesday for our five hundred show. I'm going to play all the skits. I'm trying to find a soundbite from the first show. I don't know if I have it, but I'm looking for it. And we'll still do a section on media bias, probably the election, and Democrats beating somebody. As always, thanks for listening, and take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politics Podcast. Please check out our Twitter account at Reed and send suggestions or comments to email address foppod. C-A-S-T at gmail.com Remember, the flyover states are the backbone of this country. Never fear flying your flag and standing tall. Ignore the media hate.
1: Ignore the fascist coastal states. Try as they might to bring America down. The patriots
4: of this country will never Bow
1: down.